Nick Cage gets married multiple possessions in David Lynch's worst year ever. This week on 30 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on an audio journey across three segments, across three decades. We don't get to pick what we talk about in the show. The dates do. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? We're going to talk about what happened in the week of August 26th through September 1st, right now, uh, in 1992, 2002, and uh, 2012. And I got to say, as far as looking into these films, there are some of the biggest failures in cinematic history in in all of the segments. It's crazy. We're going to remind you of things you barely knew existed, so stay tuned. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antis, who also with me. I'm the Diana Goodman, which is different from Diana Goodman which is different from the live-action adaptation of Diana Goodman that came out a couple of years later. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and dead is better. <laughs> uh, and this is going to be a great week. Once again, thanks to our patrons, patreon.com slash time. We've been going in-depth the movies 40 years ago. You get those there. Hundreds of other podcasts, full-length movie commentaries. We appreciate your support, especially with all the delays. So thank you so much. Did you guys just record something for Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't there. I wasn't on one. Spoiler. Patreon.com. Five bucks. Five bucks. All we ask. <laughs> too fast. Too rich, Mott. Too high. Um, and I cannot wait to talk about some of the stuff in this episode because I maybe put more hours into this episode than almost anything, uh, any episode of 302010 and have very little to show for it. Um, <laughs> August is weird. We yeah. have like one or two movies that's like, oh yeah, that seems like a regular Hollywood movie. And the rest of it Whoa. Is weird. Weird. It is a weird, weird week. Uh, and you may have heard uh, David Lynch's name at the top, and that's part of the reason. Skydiving Elvises. Elvi? What's Elvi. the plural? Skydiving Elvi is the most normal movie we're going to be talking about. A group of Elvises is called a Mo Mama. That's, I don't know. Uh, uh, that's a hunk of hunk of Elvises. Hunk, Excuse me. Hey, hunk of Elvises. That's what, much better joke. See, that's what happens hey. when you workshop. Welcome to 302010. Let's begin in 1992, August 26th through September 1st. Little bit of news. We usually like to remind you of things going on you might remember. This is something I don't remember at all, and I suggest you Google it because it looks very funny. The Sony Sony Data Discman is announced in an unveiled. Uh, and... Ooh. That what I think is hilarious, the concept of personal digital assistant doesn't exist, and that's what this is. But because Sony's more popular brand was portable compact discs, they named it after that. But this is a has a QWERTY keyboard, a slot for a 3.5 inch floppy drive. It, Wait, so this this isn't the Discman where I can play my CDs on the go. You can play audio, no. but you can play your audio on a hard drive that is included within the data Discman. Uh, we store your... But in a 1992 context, that means she can play MIDI files, right? I, something like that. <laughs> I do not know how this works, and I didn't. I didn't look into it too much. I think there was like a, a peripheral CD drive. It looks crazy. It's grayscale. 
I don't know. I just don't know what you would do with it. It doesn't seem very easy to spreadsheet on QWERTY, but it's got a QWERTY keypad and a bunch of other buttons. And I love the floppy, the floppy disk slot for your portable floppy device. Slot. And that was it kind of. It looks like a label maker. <laughs> and it's. And it's telling me it's a computer of some kind. It's five hundred dollars of nineteen ninety two money, oh, which is that's a solid grand right now. It's a it's about a grand, which I guess whatever. That's what an iPhone is. But holy lord, did this not do one millionth of what an iPhone does? And, and it's much <laughs> larger. Look it up. It's cute. Let's get into the movies of nineteen ninety two, August twenty sixth through September first, because this is just chock full of weirdness, and I can't believe. I thought I'd have enough. I'd had enough Lynchian stuff, and then the first movie we have to talk about is Michael Parks, Piper Laurie, uh, Michael Warren, Charlotte Lewis, Jason Robards, Joanne uh, Whaley Kilmer, and James Spader in Storyville. Right. What? The- Which is written and directed by Mark Frost, co-creator of Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Which is we're about to talk about Twin Peaks in a bit. Um, and this seems to be the only movie he directed. Yeah, like he he directed some episodes of the show and and this and that and wrote movies. But yeah, and it's it, it kind of felt like a follow up to Sex Lies and Videotape made by other people because mm-hmm. it's also about James Spader and it's also about being in the South. But this time it's like the grimiest part of New Orleans, which are the best parts of yes. New Orleans. So oh, it definitely made me want to go back to New Orleans so bad. Yeah, it's just sort of, you know, twisty, turny things that go on at night. It's, it wasn't, I it wasn't fu- quite after hours but like a little bit. And, it's not yeah. streaming anywhere, and it's difficult to find, and it got decent yeah. reviews. I yeah. just find it, wouldn't that create a problem if that is going up against his the movie, other movie he's executive producing and created? I guess they had a bit of a falling out, Frost and Lynch, uh, on Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. And so he firewalked off that set. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, and yeah went off and made his own movie which are then like going up against each other into quote-unquote wide release storyville didn't get much of a wide release it's but so, critics all liked it it's so cruel it's so cruel yeah. to put them out at the exact same time because if if anybody's a fan of mark frost there's another movie you might want to see this week Mm-hmm. To the same day, anyway. The only movie I was aware of this week was why? Is, oh, I guess you're an animation nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was—I mean, this was heavily marketed on either your Nickelodeons or your kids' animation blocks. This—I I, remember—I remember the pre the the, the TV spots verbatim because they were all over the place. But nobody I know saw it, and I had to track it down years later. James Earl Jones, Sir Michael Hor. Hordern, uh, Ni- Nigel Hawthorne, Brian Blessed, Ginny Augeter, and Ben Kingsley, and Freddy as FRO7, also known as Freddy the Frog, in, uh, I believe, the UK, where this animation animated film originates. Right, so, and James Earl Jones is only in the American version, and then there's, like, different cuts of it. There are multiple cuts of it. It's very confusing. Even though it's never been on DVD it's not available to officially watch. It's unofficially on YouTube. Yeah, you can see this entire thing on YouTube because no one cares about this film because this holds the record for lowest grossing mm-hmm. traditional animated film in the U.S. of all time. Of all time. Oh! There's been lower grossing computer generated animated films, but for the traditional hand-drawn selves, this oh. is the record. Yeah, and in wow. some in some of those CG films are like, man, this is like a church movie y'all trying to sneak into yeah. theaters. This isn't a real film. <laughs> but this this was this got the same push as any other animated film. 
And I just remember it having a different vibe. Like, I don't know what James Bond is. What is F-R-O-7? What does that mean? Mm. The plot is all over the place. The film starts out with the prince getting cursed and turning into the frog. You know, you're making that classic fairy tale mistake of, you've got knives. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just stab the guy? I mean, that's that's a lot better uh, idea than cursing them into an object that can easily escape. But then... He meets that famous inhabitant of France, the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> you know, because of course. And they have a sing-songy adventure. To... This film is fucking weird. And it's like... And then... Wait, was the Loch Ness Monster on vacation or something? Is he wearing a beret so. and holding a baguette? Or... <laughs> uh, but the frog then gives up on his dream of being a prince, and it's never brought up again because he wants to be a secret agent now. And that's the new plot of this movie. So the whole thing, you're the prince, you're getting cursed. Nope, never brought up again. And this movie ends with sequel bait yeah. of the frog going to Washington, D.C. But of course, that the company that made it went utterly bankrupt, deservedly so. And it ends on a rap song. It's Because it's 1992. 92, you got to end on It's all over the place. And the, the only like trivia you find, like director, writer, John Azvisky based this on stories he would tell his children to go to sleep, i.e. things he made up as he went along, which should explain why the movie flows the way it I, does. I do that. I, I, yes. I've i frequently just been like, totally okay, done that. I'm going to jazz a story. I'm you look uninterested. Form. I'm going to change the scene and the mm-hmm. occupation of this person, which they do in this yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Even and more let- bizarre, it, it's hard to get an animated movie off the ground. John yeah. Isvisky basically doesn't exist. I couldn't find him anywhere on the internet. No interviews. He has made not one other thing. Who gets to pitch and then write and direct an animated film? This is not made for TV. Look, this is a theatrical ass cartoon. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened at all. I mean, this is not some Care Bears the movie. Stuff. Yeah. They, they, they spent money on this. You can tell it's the- just really bad. And let me ask you a question. If you were to rip off one Disney character, actually a group of characters, from the entire Disney repertoire in 1992, which is the one you'd be like, yes, these are the ones I'm going to make so you can just barely not sue me, Disney. Hmm. Um, the group of characters. Morty of and Ferdy, Mickey's okay. nep- nephews. <laughs> hmm. um, how about the, the, the trio of Magic Pixies from Sleeping Beauty? They're fun. Laura, Fauna, and Merriweather. Thank you. Yeah, all great choices. The director of this movie said, you know what we needed in 1992? The Crows from Dumbo. (gasps) Play that clip. (laughs) Hey, Yankee Doodle came to town just to buy a pony. Instead, he bought a tablet. Let's hope it's not a pony. Well, what I always say is, Help! Don't worry, honey. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the movie notably had to be recut, redubbed, and have some things excised because things made for British children, I think, can be a little more hardcore than American children. There's a lot of A insensitive. There is, I think, a depiction of the Klan in the movie. So it, it got re-rated PG. Yeah, or there, or there was. Maybe not for the American version of it. Again, I, I don't know how to track down any particular version of this film other than what's on YouTube. It's a Again, it's a weird week for films, and there's a lot of failure going down. <laughs> Freddy, F-R-O-7 is a notable one. Yeah. 
That's too bad because I realized the other day that if I could be anyone, I'd probably want to be Brian Blessed. I would love to just have that voice to just walk around with. And true. Mm-hmm. I would like a Big Mac, please. This that means this mo- one of the first animated movies we talked about on like the first season, the first four episodes of Thirty Twenty Ten was that movie American Rabbit, based on a fucking bumper mm-hmm. sticker. This did worse than that. This did, <laughs> this did worse than that, and that one was pretty bad. And I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. I've watched it before uh, as a very tolerant kid. I've always meant to get really high and give this another watch, but like I looked at stuff on YouTube just to see like. Jesus, some real work went into this. Uh, it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> and then next. Oh, and it's definitely not the last embarrassing British import for children that we are going to talk about. Oh, okay. Ooh. And um, Oh, that also is a colossal record-setting failure. Yeah, and oh my God. Th- but this... first, let's go to Cannes, where people are booing and throwing things. N- no. <laughs> I had to look that up. Uh <laughs> We got Cheryl Lee, Moira Kelly, David Bowie, Chris Isaac, Harry Dean Stanton, Kiefer Sutherland, and almost the entire cast of Twin Peaks. Like, really almost everyone, except for Laura Flynn Boyle and a couple of others, in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. The prequel to the show. Yes. Which also is a prequel to itself. Yes. Because it tells two different stories. One is about a murder disappearance very similar to the murder of laura palmer and there's also like the last week of laura palmer's life leading up to her murder yes and whatever the fuck david bowie is doing whatever the fuck david bowie is doing and i i like i really like twin peaks i did not know until just researching this finding out like there was so much cut footage from this that they just made a whole other movie yes that's like packed in with the dvd set they it's 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 kind of a a serenity situation where i can't think of anything that happened this fast let me let me start over with what my week looked like i have always been a diehard david lynch fan I didn't even know he made Twin Peaks before the internet and I had no way to watch it. And the DVD said it was expensive. I've always tried to watch Twin Peaks. I'm either watching it with a girlfriend and we forget. I can't watch an episode without her or we break up previously. Uh, my buddy, Kevin, who's a massive Twin Peaks fan is in Twin Peaks cosplay on a Twin Peaks conventions. owns a movie theater filled with Twin Peaks uh, memorabilia was screening two episodes a week, every week. And I went to everyone until March of 2020. Once again, Mm -hmm. couldn't see Twin Peaks. It got taken away from streaming, put on Showtime, which I just won't pay for. So I I said last week when we stopped recording, I'm like, I'm doing it. I am going to watch Twin Peaks because I've been dying to watch Firewalk with me more than anything else. I wanted to watch Firewalk with me because it has gained new relevance from not only uh, critical reappraisal once the... Twin Peaks The Return Show from a couple of years ago on Showtime, you need to have seen Fire Walk With Me to understand what's going on in Twin Peaks The Return. And a lot of people just ignored Fire Walk With Me entirely. And what my buddy Kevin always says, like, it is an R-rated ass movie Mm. for Twin Peaks the ABC show. And if that's what you wanted, you will like it. And I, he does. And it's had to been reappraised. So I watched, I would say... I had to consult multiple people on the internet on what Twin Peaks episodes I have to watch. <laughs> and it's the consensus is pretty much first season, then second season up until episode nine when Lynch leaves. And then the last episode, which he comes back to direct. And then yeah. you'll, you'll know what's happening. That was very hard to do in conjunction with not only my other tasks and things and my sister's <laughs> wedding fitting. Uh, 
I was listening to this in my car, which does a giant. Oh, bad idea. Yes. Giant dis- no. disservice to Twin no. Peaks. And, but I wanted to get to this and I really wanted to experience it all because I love David Lynch. And when I was watching Twin Peaks uh, right before the pandemic in the movie, th- my friend's movie theater, it finally hit me. And part of that was the humor. Because the first episode doesn't have a lot of the humor that the, the later episodes do. They're. It's fucking hysterical. It's not only weird and jazzy and like of another era. It's so it's transfixing. I gravitated more towards that. The humor was kind of my hook and like, I get it now. I like Twin Peaks. Firewalk with me eliminates all of that humor and is raw yes. horror and panic mm. the entire yeah. time. <laughs> Absolutely. See, yeah. So here's, huh, all right, here, here's uh, my thing. I love Twin Peaks. I picked it up late. Um, but I loved it. Watch it, or you know, during its original run. Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me comes out, and it, people are very divided on it yeah. because they think they're going to get some kind of answers. And what I finally took me until Twin Peaks: The Return, twenty-five years to realize, don't do that. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. not going to make perfect sense. There are yeah. every question does not have an answer, and every answer does not have a it's question. It's the ride. You, that's, gonna, you that's let not it wash Lynch's over oeuvre. you. Yeah, Lynch's yeah, oeuvre is not providing you with answers. Yeah, yeah and it's I, nightmare logic. It, you have to just sort of roll with it and be like, sure, there's a lady and she lives in an apartment that flies through space. She ain't got no eyes, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. A dwarf okay. that talks backwards. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, a whatever. telekinetic log. So, so that's part of what, so Twin Peaks, David Lynch left during the second season. The show goes downhill and is is canceled because it's just going all over the place and so let me just ask something yeah the end of the second season yeah they reveal the big mystery they reveal it in the middle (laughs) revealed in the the middle middle. not only the middle middle. if if you've seen they made a twin peaks movie cut in case abc didn't want to want to air it that wraps Mm -hmm. up everything and like you can. I've seen that. If if you were in Europe, you might have even seen that as a theatrical film. The first, like the okay. whole of Twin Peaks. Yeah. But so, originally, it was never yeah. supposed to be answered. That wasn't the purpose of the mystery. The mystery was. So. Yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think we were ever to really figure out who done it. There's a lot yeah. of other stuff going on, and finally, they like basically just forced it. Like you have to answer it, and we find out the answer. But it's actually not the answer because there's a bunch of otherworldly stuff going on supernatural stuff supernatural stuff yes. becomes involved in the show and and that splits some people but generally you know a lot of How people really like that we're fans not and aware then, of supernatural stuff occurring in twin peaks it's there really early well i mean i think they thought in sort of a general sense as opposed to a literal sense like you know cooper has a dream of the red room with the black and white striped floor that's a literal place it turns out yes. and they are reaching out to talk to him literally it's not just it's a dream and that's how you process and he's thoughts. seemingly very aware so, he has these superpowers in the film it's it is strange after the show got canceled it, it was still popular enough that they were going to make three movies yes. that that was the plan because especially in japan it was really it's popular really, and it did very, it is, very well. When I was in Japan too. in 2001 to 2003, it was still popular. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. I was there too. Yeah. It, it's awesome to see Twin Peaks fandom in Japan. If you've never played the game Deadly Premonition, it is like a good, bad game clearly inspired by Twin Peaks that people, that is w- much beloved. But we get to this movie, which is extremely scary it is straight up horror it is very supernatural it is confusing it is it is a literal nightmare it is like watching a nightmare it's far more lynchian than twin peaks ever was yeah 
And I think that drove people crazy because they're like, what the hell? Like, like you were saying, where there, there's no the quirkiness, the sort of levity that it's, it's like if you took blue velvet and then turned it up to 11. Yeah. Where it's just this, the seedy underbelly of, you know, this cute little town, but there is no like, wackiness log lady or funniness or like it's just horrible supernatural creatures stalking this poor girl and trying and just torturing her to that laura palmer the the character who's been dead the entirety of twin peaks is now the star of this movie and tortured in every frame it is the most acting almost anyone's ever done in twin peaks the most but they're all supposed to still be 17 you know when they shot this show it was a few years earlier and as they do on television all the actors were in their early 20s and now they're even older than that so these people should not be playing 17 years they had the fortune misfortune most of the young girls couldn't come back and reprise their roles or were like mm-hmm. written out it, only yeah. and Laura, well, some of it was scheduling and some of it was just like i don't want to yeah so I, yeah i don't want to and, and larry flynn boyle Sherilyn fenn and richard Bamer are the main characters and that don't and, and kyle mclaughlin didn't want it he was worried yeah. about being typecast and his role was reduced so part of the reason this movie wasn't well received is because it's conceived as a trilogy and Ooh. Kyle McLaughlin didn't want to do it. So part of that was mixed up there. A lot of stuff. When you say it's this, a couple different movies, those were supposed, that was supposed to be addressed in the next two movies, which this right. never, ever got. And, yep. and, and, and Twin Peaks fans were disappointed because there is 90 minutes, a full feature length movie of scenes of their favorite characters that are totally excised to service new characters who don't really do that much. <laughs> uh, and it's no, like David, Bowie, he's an agent that went missing earlier, but we really don't know anything about him or why. And like he says that, like, oh, I thought my part was going to be bigger and I just sort of show up for one scene. And they're like, but you've been missing David Bowie. And then he comes back in Twin Peaks to return, but David Bowie's passed away. So he's played by a giant teapot. Oh, I thought he had like some physical uh, just let it wash over you. Right, just let right, it wash right, over right, you. Don't try right. to connect the dots. The so, dots so aren't even there. I think I think people coming into Firewalk with me looking for answers were disappointed. People mm-hmm. who were not as familiar were more familiar with Twin Peaks than David Lynch were not prepared for what they were about to see. See, every review I read said you should not watch this movie unless you've watched Twin Peaks. Well, you have to what I will say, I yeah. feel I feel uh unqualified to appraise this film in any way because I didn't appreciate Twin Peaks the right way. I have appreciated it in the right way, but not in its entirety. And it didn't wash over me because I am not obsessed with these characters and their lines and their mannerisms. How, of course that would be great to see again. If your favorite TV show gets canceled and these wacky characters come and it looks cinematic as hell. Having watched them back to back, it's, it's way more beautiful and crisp and I was, I, it just occurred to me that like, yeah, there's not a lot of exterior shots in Twin Peaks. The movie is outside a lot, but yeah. I, I, I don't feel qualified. What I thought was crazy is that, that this is, this is like the apex of David Lynch's career. He has, mm-hmm. he did have a hit show on television and it gets canceled, but he gets another show, which I think, did we talk on the air? We talked about it on the air. On the air. It was- Utterly forgettable show that I've already forgotten the name of. So if you're if you're a David Lynch fan, remember there's a year where he has two shows on the air and he has a trilogy of movies greenlit, and they all go down critically and with fans in flames. And he talks about this period as like it's awesome to be on the bottom and there's nowhere to go but up. And and he didn't change anything he did in like uh but 
Yeah, just looking at the cast, the people who show up here to do almost nothing, it's the most star-studded cast of any David Lynch movie. I looked it up, and it's kind of difficult to see, but this is his... Firewalk with me is his biggest financial failure. I, I think given the given the costs and like Blue Velvet made more than Blue Velvet made more than this movie cost, and uh, <laughs> this is a huge failure. It has since been reappraised. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's tough because in some ways I almost want to say no. Don't even bother watching Twin Peaks. Just go into this cold. No. And like I said, let it wash over. Because it's not going to make any more sense. It, honestly, it barely makes more sense. <laughs> other no i because i i was reading a bunch of stuff about it 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 will make more sense if you've really soaked in all of twin it will it's it's to reward those fans just not in the way they were expecting because it's david fucking lynch and you didn't know him as well as you thought you did through the abc show you silly geese watch blue velvet and eraserhead well it's the same thing with twin peaks to return people were like oh boy everyone's coming back this is going to be great and you get like (laughs) the whole damn thing kyle mclaughlin somebody else (laughs) <laughs> and we got random characters showing up over here. And now Eddie Vedder's going to sing a song. And who are those two people? I don't even know. No, I remember okay. our, our friend, our friend Carolyn. We're not going to see these people until they show up. Uh, they show up eight episodes in. There's an episode entirely about with the the Trinity atomic blast, and there's a a bunch of scary hobos in it. Isn't there one episode that crawls into a guy's mouth? Isn't there one what episode the that fuck? that just turns into a nine inch nail, like a full length nine inch nails yes. video, music video? It's yes, wonderful. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> but if you were looking for answers, what does this have to do with our, everything else? Not literally connected no thematically spookiness connected yes <laughs> washed over you Let yeah it I, wash I, over I, I i do believe there's there's something that ties this all together and and with lynch movies it's not a puzzle i don't always understand what he's doing but i i find it fascinating i found this fascinating riveting even sometimes but i'm i'm just not at liberty to say whether this is amazing or whether i can i definitely don't think you should watch this cold it will just it won't do anything for you it'll probably still scare you because it's scary because it's about this teenage girl completely unraveling yeah but the, the, the teenage girl is the person you're most curious about because she's the one she's the mythical person who's gone before twin peaks starts that everyone talks about yep. it, it's just it's fascinating to see her on screen that much but it's so yeah, bizarre what, she fucking goes for yes. it it is a hard role she is having to pretend that she's yeah the perfect homecoming queen and also you know a, a, a drug addicted sex worker, drug dealer, um, <laughs> an orgy participant, incest victim, orgy participant, crazy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I think it's fascinating. I would love to hear everyone else's thoughts. I hit Kevin up right beforehand. Like, give me a couple sentences here that I can tell to make people want to watch this because, like, right now, yeah, I just don't have it for you. If you don't know Twin Peaks. You're not going to get it. If you know Twin Peaks, I can't imagine you haven't seen this already. But it is interesting to see that it has the, the views on it have been turned around. And I don't want to prolong the conversation. I was just reading um, and it got booed at Cannes. And it's just like people only recently like that. never. The writer was like, that never happened. And other people are like, yeah, that never happened. What, where did this come from? And it's like one news article or maybe that people booed when it won the Palme d'Or. But people didn't. Did it win the- Oh, no, no. no well, Wild at Heart was there the year beforehand, and that uh, I believe did get booed. that did, yeah. But it yeah. also did win the Palm Tour, 
and that might that winning the award might have gotten booze. But no, I don't think Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me. I believe it was in competition. Okay, but it I, it did not win. Yeah, but it but the I writers like no, we, what did one? People were unsettled and like, but nobody fucking booed. Like nobody booed at all. But that's been an urban legend for years. That I think only only when the return came out, people started looking into like asking Lynch. Like no, I, he, Lynch has never spoken about it. Lynch doesn't shit on people not liking his stuff. I love the way he talks about even his failures. Um, and he loves the film. So I I, I think it's fascinating and. I, I watch Twin Peaks. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. The winner was Best Intentions by Bill A. August, written by Igmar Bergman. What? That's what won the Palme d'Or that year. Oh, okay. So kind of the exact opposite of this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting <laughs> how metaphor. an urban legend can persist with most of the participants alive and well and the internet alive and well. People still think this got booed. There's fascinating threads about it that, that are not very old. Yeah. Uh, I've heard about walkouts. I, I uh, that part I've never seen debunked, but yeah, people will just do that because it's a very frustrating film. Yeah. When I went and saw it in the theater, I think people just left because it's extremely frustrating. It's David Lynch. All right. What was the last movie of his we talked about? Probably Mulholland Drive. Frustrating. I, I want, love it, it seems like it should make sense, but it seems like it should make sense, but all the puzzle pieces don't fit. That's the point. If you enjoy movies that feel like dreams, you'll like this bunches. Yeah. Mm. And it's scary as fuck. Yeah. Honestly. Bob gives you nightmares. It is. It is scary. Flat out horror in a way that I. I don't think any episode of Twin Peaks could be classified as that. So that mm. may, I think that makes it incredibly interesting. Anyway, moving on to a very on the on the nose horror film. Uh, we have <laughs> the, the much awaited sequel, Darlene Flugel, Jared Rushton, Clancy Brown, Anthony Edwards. Edward, did you call Moa dipshit for a long? <laughs> Pet Cemetery Two, baby. Something strange. Now, I didn't think much about it until I saw him drag the body out of the coffin. Something evil. Bury your own. Something terrifying is happening in Ludlow, Maine. Again. <laughs> so, do you think this is Edward Furlong at his peak of fame? Because he only really became famous after Terminator 2. Yeah. And he, yeah. like, uses that fame to do this brain scan and pecker i will i far prefer that to this yeah those are later yes yeah so yeah i mean it's I happening again yeah uh, <laughs> how, how, how i don't know if he had any decision over that or if it was just his parents and his manager well how, how long but... ago was terminator 2 was that last year yeah 91 okay. yeah 91 okay so yeah the movie yeah. has come out and he probably filmed that after totally completing t2 the world knows that mm -hmm. it's a big success and yeah probably rolled it into this but yeah, you got to figure there's just when this happens there's typically not a lot of roles for kids yeah that's and, that's the other point for if his career would go well a lot depends on getting roles and maybe he just didn't have any offers because this is not a great horror movie i mean the first pet cemetery i will go to bat for yeah, it's, it. it's mm -hmm. decent given the time i was too young for pet cemetery one but my cousins hyped and hyped and hyped how scary it was and then eventually i, I got to see it on video and i was like okay yeah that was that was scary enough but i never went and saw pet cemetery two just because it got so bad reviews and i can yeah. see why i mean there's Man, a lot of things in this film where it's just like huh like the bullies in this film hate Edward Furlong because his mom died. I mean, even for 19... No, that's it. That's why yeah. they pick a fight with him. And even for 1990 bullies, that is a low. Yeah. Ha -ha. 
Your mom is dead. Let's beat you up. What the hell, 90s bully? You need to suffer more. Yeah. It's like, well, something happened with your guys because you got a stepdad, not a regular dad. So oh, uh, take that, bully. I actually don't remember yeah. anything uh, about this. Does does this not involve burying people in a magic cemetery and having does, them come back to life? They bury so many people. Okay, good. Yeah, there's a lot of burying going on in here. There's the evil zombie dog. I mean, most of it's about the zombie dog, but I feel like a bunch of people end up getting buried. It's like the whole thing in the first one is just that poor kid died, and that's very sad. And sometimes dead is better. Kid to come back, yeah. but it turns out dead is better. You get Herman Munster one, screaming at you in the main accent. Dad is yeah. better is said in this film, um, uh, but it's said at the very end by the evil mom as like a come on line. Oh no! Kind of felt that way. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of weirdness in this. Uh, Edward Furlong's mom is a C-grade horror star who dies on set, mm. and uh, that's how he lost his mom. And all these people go to her funeral, and I, I don't know if that many reporters would go to the funeral of a c-grade horror star honestly if she died on set maybe there's uh there's scandal yeah and and then yeah they they bury the dog dog comes back evil and then edward furlong realizes how bad this is and then he turns evil off screen like (laughs) we don't see why he turns evil but he suddenly goes from you know this is wrong this is weird we shouldn't do this to uh, let's I'm let's bring my mom back from the dead. And mm. he gets help of his zombie buddy because they have this like attempt at humor with one of the kids dead dad who comes back as a zombie. Uh. And they're like playing around with their zombie buddy for a while. And this <laughs> is the dad that was like killing dogs in front of them. And now yeah. he's their buddy because he's a zombie. Yeah, that. Was, I mean, is it there just to be like, look, you buried the dog, the dog came back evil. I think this should set a precedent and you don't want to bury a person because the person's going to come back evil. But he comes back not as evil because he was evil when you put him in the ground because he's Clancy Brown. And Clancy Brown is a psycho, like always. He's, is it just a reverse? He is like, he is scary in this because yeah. he's Clancy Brown and he's menacing. But yeah, yeah maybe that's it. Maybe it's uh, it's not it's a switcheroo cemetery. Yeah. If you bury an asshole, they come back. Not so bad. <laughs> Although even the supposedly good cop does like murder a kid. Oh. With his mm. own bicycle. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot more plot than there is in the first pet cemetery. Yeah. A lot more characters. It sounds a lot like more this varying. is it sounds like there's five hundred times the amount of people in the movie than yeah. in the first well, movie. There's yeah. a lot of deaths in this movie, and they do a decision that I've never seen before. Everyone who died in this movie gets a little picture at the end popping up on screen with like pleasant music. And it's like, remember the good times with these characters who were brutally <laughs> murdered? We want to remind you of them when they're alive. Enjoy the soothing tones as you see their pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pessimistry 2 is not good. I Weirdly, I just appreciate that they spell out the word two. Yeah. You don't see yeah. that a lot. You don't. Yeah. It's very strange. And, um, Still and it's not T-O-O. Plain... It's T-W-O. <laughs> and they're still spelling cemetery wrong. So yes. good on them. Yeah. But, um, and not a, not a redeemable Ramon song to tie it no. all together. No. Mm. no. I, 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 I'm just Im- imagining Anthony Edwards like doing this, going, oh, man, I'm going to take any job for the rest of my life, aren't I? And then two years later, ER, and is seen <laughs> by 30 million people every week 
in the most acclaimed drama of the 1990s. Well, yeah, he was one of <laughs> the highest paid television actors of all t- yeah. at, at, at the time. I think he was the highest, at one point, he was the highest paid a- television actor. I mean, to go from this to that, for... that had to feel like... Uh, Who'd have thunk? Nights. Noise. And then we also have this, uh, the next movie, because it's number one at the box office, just barely. <laughs> yeah, uh, just barely. Tiny baby Bruno Mars is in this movie. He's I did a not teeny know that. tiny baby. Uh, He's like seven or something. <laughs> Tony Shaloub and Bancroft, Robert Costanzo, John Capodice, I don't know, Pat Morita as Mahi Mahi. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seymour Cassell, Peter Boyle. Man, a lot of RAPs in there. Sarah Jessica Parker, Nick Cage, and Jimmy James Khan. Recent RIP. It's not more to the box office this week. It's Honeymoon in Vegas. Jack Singer has just lost $65,000. Would you like a fruit plate? Jack doesn't have $65,000. You have a solution? I don't. I want your girlfriend for the weekend. I am so nauseous. This is the story of one bride, two grooms, and 34 flying Elvises. You're skydiving? Honeymoon in Vegas. Rated PG-13. Ah, oh, my God. <laughs> All right. First of all, what are your all feelings toward Vegas? Like it? Hate it? No, indifferent? No, no I've, I've had, I had a two, one like shitty experience, one boring experience, and one good experience. And, and, and they're all mixed in with like, God, this is annoying. Oh, yeah, I mm. don't like strip clubs. Uh, yep. That kind of stuff. Three days. Three days. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You can do, yeah. Three days, two nights. That that's the max. And I spent a lot of time in Vegas working because I worked in corporate events. And uh, there was one stretch where I realized there was five and a half days where I never left the building because yeah. all the buildings were connected, yep. so I didn't have to. Yep. And then when I went outside, it was the same thing of like, oh, now I'm annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, the sun is trying to kill you. In Vegas. It's absolutely yeah. trying to murder you, but the inside's yeah. trying to murder you too. Oh my god. It, Walking onto a casino floor at five in the morning to go to work, <laughs> the sounds are so terrible. And then you look at who's still gambling and you're like, why? What happened to They're you? Addicted. They're addicted. It's a highly addictive thing. Um, yeah. but Or they're on a foreign clock. There was a lot so, of that too. So I hate to lose more than I like to win. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I don't really gamble. Uh, I'll play poker with my friends because I don't care whether I win or lose. But mm-hmm. a casino setting, I'm like, yuck, I don't like this. I've had good times in Vegas, but the last time I went there was with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and my wife's side of her family. Mm. And no one wanted to spend any money whatsoever. Oh. <laughs> you no. can't go to can't. Vegas. It's not really possible. It is yeah. not set up like that. And no. you set up a budget. These- Including mm-hmm. a gambling budget. And yeah. once that's gone, you're done. But I was wanting to do all these non-gambling things. Yeah. But the oh, go see shows. Money. The shows are amazing. See the shows. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not a gambler. The first thing I saw when I got to Vegas, check, get out of the airport, check into the hotel, walking to the hotel, walking out is an 80-year-old woman bawling her eyes out as her husband's like, it's going to be okay, honey. It's going to be okay. Like, <sighs> Vegas, baby! And uh, I wasn't much of a gambler. And then it just looked, oh, George Carlin is across the street. And I'll never hate yeah. Vegas for letting me see. I never would have been able to see George Carlin anywhere living in nope. Tallahassee, Florida. So I'm just glad I got the opportunity to do that and blew my fucking gambling money on that. Yeah. Memory lasts I, a lifetime. Would, I, I've gone to vegas and not spent one dime in gambling and had a fabulous time mm. yeah but and i've but gone yeah, to vegas right. and gambled and i got my cab fare 
There you go. <laughs> I felt very proud of myself. Like, oh, yay, I got enough for a taxi now. Okay, bye. But I think you're right, Diana. Three days, that's perfect. Anything more than that is, is not needed. But yeah. Vegas is very much a character in this movie. You know, they are definitely selling early 90s Vegas where it's transitioning from scuzzy scuzz to family friendly. I mean, this yeah. is where that transition is happening. I, mm-hmm. I don't think the MGM Grand has been built yet, but that was really the casino that just blew apart Vegas where it was like, no, we're going after the family. And then after that, it was like, here's a pirate battle that your kids can watch. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of pivoted away from that. But in the 90s, that was their thing. And this is kind of a movie showing you making that transition. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they told you everything that you need to know right there. It's uh, written and directed by Andrew Bergman, who's got a really good track record until it falls apart right at the end. You know, he's one of the writers on Blazing Saddles. He's at the in-laws, freshman. And, uh, you know, let's not talk about what happens after that because striptease sucks. But, uh, I mean, this probably is biggest hit because it's just fun. I mean, it's... (laughs) It's technically it's a romantic comedy on a very technical level. But yeah, James Caan, he thinks Sarah Jessica Parker looks like, you know, his dead wife. He feels bad they lost her. And so a huge chunk of the movie does not take place in Vegas. It takes place on Kauai, where, you know, he takes her to try to convince her to stay with him instead of Nicolas Cage, who doesn't want to get married. And then, uh, you know, there's fun goings on in Kauai. Kauai looks gorge. Yeah, I want to go there. Oh, it's I, I honeymooned there. So it, nice. I super recommend it. And Tree. for the chickens. It, Watch out for the well, chickens. It had, oh, they're violent. I don't think the chickens had gotten loose yet. I think this is right around the time the chickens get loose. Yeah, the hurricane came and everyone's chickens got loose and now the chickens are feral and they're <laughs> as as common as pigeons are everywhere else. And they try to steal your food and they get in the way of everything. And they stand under your window and scream at all hours. Not just the dawn. Uh, yeah, the chickens are really annoying. I also think this, I, I asked a couple of people you know, my age, what they thought of this film. It had the luxury of, uh, I believe it started out not raunchy, but just like it's, I think it was R for language and they just cut the language out, making it PG-13. Yeah. So I now this can air on HBO. There's some. This can air on HBO and cable every day at any time. And it, well, and it did. It was, I, I got mad at this movie for how much it was on back in the day. Because <laughs> I just yeah, you... didn't know anybody was a fan. So I think I've seen all of it out of order 50 fucking times like i just i find find myself angry at this filler ass movie well it was nicholas cage's first attempt to kind of re-go into comedy you know he he hadn't done a lot of comedies before this film and this and he was worried about being typecast so he was like no get me a comedy film and i was raising arizona god damn it cage yeah but it's also i mean we're into nicholas cage's trying to be a normal actor this is one of his words like he he seems much more normal you know, then like Wild at Heart, we were just talking about, you know, it's, I mean, this, it's like, it's, it's a different guy. Yeah. It's yeah. like, he's taking his medication or something. He's much more schlubby every guy. And then every now and then the rage cage comes out just a little bit in comedic moments. Yeah. And I, I feel like the early nineties were at the peak of Elvis nostalgia because mm-hmm. it's like Elvis, 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 you know, uh, is all over the place in this film. And it's like, you know, Elvis, you love Elvis. Oh, Elvis cosplay. That's what everyone's doing. This is like the only cosplay in 1992 that is acceptable in a wide audience. Yeah. People dress up as people go to birthday parties, Elvis in person. Yeah. I love talking about Elvis in that as a kid, you know, and love Elvis. Like I, I, one of those, I, I I don't love him, but I've heard (laughs) the cartoons I'm watching reference him. 
even mm-hmm. the, the brand new ones. And in the commercial breaks, nothing but Elvis shit. Elvis plates, Elvis uh, <laughs> time life movies. I, like, uh, I always wanted to look up on eBay how much those Elvis commemorative plates are worth these days. They, because I, they were like selling them as, this will be your retirement account, old I, I, I think I've talked about that on many a podcast, but it was a really fascinating and depressing article I read about the Elvis memorabilia has value has cratered. Mm-hmm. Whereas our, you know, JR and I and Diana's and I, our memorabilia, our generation's memorabilia is skyrocketing. Super Mario 64 can fetch a million dollars. The Elvis plate is worthless. It, it's very simple supply and demand. Mm-hmm. The number of people who were fans of Elvis died at a lot quicker rate than new fans were created. Mm-hmm. So you had all these people with large collections who were suddenly like, I need to downsize my house. And they put it on the market. No one bought it. So they had to drop the price. And that made the price drop lower, which made more people sell and so on and yeah. so forth. It'll happen to all our oh, yeah. memorabilia. They'll, there will come a day when people don't care about the 1980s. My, yeah. my, me, my amiibos used to be the most famous thing in town. Yeah, and we're talking 45 years right now. Right now, we're at 45 years since all this passed. Wow. Yeah. All right. And we just had a really good movie it's about Elvis. Diana. Yes. Uh, I, I, um, I'm about a month after I was born. That's, I, I'm the only one here who coexisted with Elvis. Wow. 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 Yep, it's true. And anyway. Yeah. Oh, anyway. I mean, this movie, have... The Honeymoon in Vegas definitely leads into the, like, the Elvis equals Vegas equals mm-hmm. Elvis equation so i mean the whole soundtrack is elvis covers or just elvis songs you know and then yeah you got the flying elvi at the end with i have to shout out burton gillum i always have to look up his name because i forget his name who's the the head of the flying elvis's utah chapter um he's you probably best remember him as blazing saddles saying the n-word a million times and he's freaking hilarious that guy like he pops up for one scene steals it and disappears that's his job uh so skydiving is the climax of the movie nicholas cage goes up on a plane he doesn't know what the plane is they just let him in and then they shove a skydiving backpack and say well you gotta jump even though you have no training have either we're going to vegas you can go with us yeah just sure stranger I trust you not to sue us in you in your death because uh, yeah. you've never received a moment of skydive training except for the two guys who keep giving you contradictory advice. <laughs> uh, oh, I looked you... it up. Bruno Mars is six doing wow. a, as the tiniest Elvis impersonator in the world. <laughs> wow. He's so have, rude. Have either of you two skydived? No. No, no, no. Not yet. Okay. So I have. Of course yeah. he has. <laughs> I think if I were going to in a light up, Elvis costume would probably be the way to do it. Uh, it wasn't in a light-up Elvis costume. It was just <laughs> in my uh, regular clothes. Your first time skydiving, you pretty much, it's mandatory that you have a co-jumper. That you look like a so, mating ladybug? Yeah, you're you're basically attached to another jumper who will take care of your ass if you panic and don't pull your chute because right. then you die. So the, the idea of him just being like, oh yeah, just jump <laughs> out of this plane with no training, and uh, your your parachute that you've never used before, you'll be fine. No, <laughs> it does not work like that. I but don't know. I saw a point fun. break. Keanu Reeves did it without a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun. I will say that. If anyone's thinking of skydiving, give it a shot. Uh, the only thing is I found it a little hard to breathe because I'm falling to the earth and air is like getting pushed into my lungs. And I'm not really used to air being pushed into my lungs 
while I'm trying to breathe. But you quickly compensate for that. But mm. for a moment, there was like, mm. why can't I breathe that well? Mm. Ah. And then you just kind of skydiving is nature's CPAP. <laughs> All right, let's move into TV because we have a surprisingly fun amount of stuff to talk about. 1992, August 26th through September 1st. Hey, look at that. The fifth annual SummerSlam event airs on pay-per-view. That is the second to WrestleMania, the, uh, yes, the most famous wrestling pay-per-view. Now called Premium Live Events because no one is using pay-per-view anymore. Uh, it takes place at Wembley Stadium, London, England, uh, in front of 75,000 fans. And uh, this was the first yeah. major World Wrestling Federation pay-per-view to take place outside of the United States. I think I saw it might be one of the largest crowds. It might be the largest crowd no. they still have ever had because Wembley no. is massive. It's 93,000. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, ah. <laughs> so spoilers, wrestling matches are choreographed ahead of time. What? But there are a lot, a lot of reports that the main fighter in this one uh, Bulldog, I think that's his name, had done a lot of drugs before the match. A lot, a lot of drugs. And he forgot what match he was fighting. Oh, boy. So his opponent, Brett, pretty much had to do a match on the fly, which is not the usual wrestling thing. But if anybody but, could do it, it's Brett. Uh -huh. But apparently he did. And this match is considered a classic because it's a, a well-received match, even though it was pretty much just done on the fly because one of the opponents was on a lot of drugs and didn't know what they were doing. And we also have this week episode of Mystery Science Theater 2000, The Magic Sword. The Magic Sword. Oh, good. Uh, I just, I, I love the sword and sorcery films on MST3K. I watched the MST3K version, and then I watched the Rift Track version. The riff tracks is better. Oh, it's so riff, yeah, burn right. okay. it down. Uh, there are only a handful of films that have been done by both MST3K and Riff Tracks, and I don't think the Riff Tracks is always better, but in this case, it absolutely is. They've got better riffs. Their timing is better. They work it better. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Although the MST3K version does have a killer song. Oh, yes. And I don't think the songs get enough love. If I may, Crow, as a friend, as a trusted advisor. Well. Okay. Here's a quick list of people much better looking than Estelle. You're so shallow. Fred Belitnikoff, Brandon Tynikoff, Sid and Marty Crow. Funny. Fred Gwynn and Anthony Quinn and Rin Tin Tin and Pearl, Bailey and Marv, Bailey and Mayor, Dilly and Hank and Phoebe I'm Snow. Ethel Merman and Pee Wee, Herman and Strom, Thurman and Vince Lombardi and Borg Nightmare and George and Jesus Jones. I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> love a so good Tom song. This was on a CD. Yeah, Clowns in the Sky. Say that about Estelle. <laughs> this was on a CD called Mystery Science Theater 3000, Clowns in the Sky. And I owned that CD because my CD collection was horrible and was made fun of all the times. Uh, but this was one of them. So I listened to this many times. Oh, yeah. And there was a friend of mine in college. I'm in college at this point. So keep that in mind. Whose girlfriend was really toxic to him. All of us really didn't like her. She wasn't treating him nice. And... One day we were talking about it. We were trying to convince him to break up with her. And 
I inserted her name into this song wow. because I had at least a couple of lines memorized. Wow. <laughs> Here's a Aww. list of people better looking than your Shut girlfriend. up, JR. Stop. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> don't say those things about Estelle Winwood. She was born in 1883. Wow, cowboy times. Whoa. <laughs> Very literal, literal cowboy times. Extremely wow. literal cowboy times. See, I always remember like the nice part of the song about how Estelle is cute. She's Rudy Toot Toot. I bet she smells like juicy fruit. She <laughs> can even like play a witch. She was even <laughs> on Bewitched. Wow. We really like this. I'm bewildered and okay, bothered. Wait, wait. Which that part, I did not get that reference until many years later. Speaking of songs, I never get tired of dispensing trivia about the next show that debuts in the Fox Networks this week from Aaron Spelling, The Heights. <sighs> Another oh, goddamn yeah. apartment TV show. Yes, yep. a, a, a drama, a, yes, a drama soap, primetime soap starring an up and coming band also called The Heights. However, I never, because it's, I'll be in like a Chinese restaurant, it comes on the radio. I'm like, did you know this is a song by a band that never existed? <laughs> Their hit song actually became a hit song, but the mm -hmm. people who performed the song were studio musicians and or actors who can't play any instruments. It was, it was the monkeys. But no one remember if like it was the monkeys. If nobody remembered the monkeys, like so, you will still hear. How do you talk to an angel? That's the Heights. It's it's credited as the Heights, but that's the fake band on the show The Heights. That's the only notable thing about it. It lasted one season, and its song is played thirty years later, almost every day on Delilah esque light fm radio stations i yep. think it's hilarious gonna hit number one. i would love to play it now but it hits number one later yeah we're gonna have to play it then it's so weird yeah it's and... like if, if a song that popular can't make your show popular it no song can make any show popular then mm. it, 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 you don't need a hit song yeah no it's weird that uh i was like it was bothering me like okay jamie walters is the star where do i know him from this oh they they basically recycle him onto 90210 two years later after this fails. yes Yes. Okay. They uh, just all right. Spelling likes this guy. Cool. And a much bigger debut, and I'm going to guess this is Thursday because it's it's leading. I was definitely watching. Imagine me, little Christopher. I am totally unaware of who Martin Lawrence is, but the show Martin debuts, and it's just like instantly. This is I am totally okay with this. I had <laughs> not seen a sitcom that rambunctious, and like I guess I were there any other sitcoms that were on the air where people played multiple characters like. Martin Lawrence did Ooh, not sitcoms but sketch he, show sure but but he yeah, was just no, I don't think so Martin Lawrence is a immediately more animated I thought Tisha Campbell was one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen I was very very into Martin and now she had played his girlfriend two times before right had she I think she they're in the same movie I don't know if they she they're she played both in Boomerang but I don't even think they have a scene together. yeah I don't think they have a scene oh together. really okay but yeah I I was such a huge fan of Martin but it, when it wasn't coupled with the show. I was a bigger fan of, I almost never saw it again uh, until it was, oh. it was kind of over. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're giving it, as we get into September, we'll start getting just the barrage of new shows. But obviously if they're putting this at Thursday at 8.30 in 1992, uh -huh. this behind the Simpsons, right? Yeah. They want this one to be a hit. They they want to build an audience for it and then move it somewhere by itself. They moved the Simpsons to Thursday to, Thursday to, to, to hurt the Cosby show. And so yep. now Cosby's gone. Now Cosby's yep. gone. Why not debut another show with a 
African-American lead in its in its time slots place. Not a bad idea. For, young, this... for younger, hipper people, though, not mm-hmm. families. Yeah, for very cool much people. so. This was... And I, yeah, I remember... This was people being offended by martin but it's like you know it was all stuff that was like safe for television but it was i think it was just louder than the average sitcom because <laughs> martin lawrence was definitely screamed more than most sitcom stars at the time and that's one of the things i liked about him uh, was this the most popular black sitcom of the 1990s maybe living single i think like Ooh, yeah living i just single. i know I've, I've heard so many people like appraise and reappraise that but like if you watch mtv2 you know want to talk about Channel Channel Drift MTV Two is like almost entirely Martin reruns today, uh, th- so it, it's still popular. It's more it's more popular than putting on music programming or original MTV programming. That has mm. to say something. I mean, I'm thinking the the competition Fresh Prince and Family Matters besides Living Single. Fresh Prince is mm-hmm. is it, but yeah, it might be Fresh Prince but, and, and with a Sanford and Son but, side, please. I, yeah, but Fresh Prince is for families. Yes. Yeah, and Martin is is more like it's hip and cool it's for the teens and such it's true it's true but uh going to extremes what the fuck is that is that on fox 2 so no this was a ripoff of northern exposure oh, wow. created by the guy who made northern exposure <laughs> so it's about two people who go to the caribbean island of janiki uh so it's a made-up island to earn okay. their medical degrees because this is a thing where if you can't make it into any medical school in the US any medical school at all you go to a country with lower standards mm. who will take you and who your medical degree will be valid in the US right it's a university of guam situation exactly yeah and it it did not succeed it was not well loved i can't find any video of it on youtube at all and it's been forgotten by everyone Mm. Well, okay then. And um, I, then... I recognize some of the much minor actors on it, mm. but yeah. All right, now, well, Northern Exposure we're about to talk about uh, was doing really fucking well right now. So um, yeah. yeah. And then the show I was watching the hell out of with a fantastic guest star, The Simpsons. Brother, can you spare two dimes? Is this is this the first? Technically, yeah. this is the. Final episode of right. season three. I know that doesn't make any sense, but that's that's how it is. For whatever reason, this is the last episode of season three. Uh, Korean delays typically are, end up causing that. You can't really have a last minute rewrite if it takes nine months to draw. And sometimes you require one. What I think is really funny, I went to go to, um, I went to a, a screening and Q&A of broadcast news with James L. Brooks, hosted by Danny DeVito. And uh, one, like, do a Q&A. One, James L. Brooks, th- one of the three creators of The Simpsons, executive producer, somebody asked him a question about The Simpsons, and he was like, oh, Simps- oh The Simpsons. He like, I think he forgot he created The Simpsons. And uh, <laughs> then as Danny DeVito and um, James L. Brooks were leaving, I was shocked by not only how many people there were were there with Simpsons things to sign. They were there with Danny DeVito specific Simpsons things to sign. That's how popular this episode is. I think Herb only appears two more times. Uh, Not many. It's used very sparingly, but Homer's long lost brother, uh, Herb, uh, Unky Herb. He's back. Unky Herb is back. It's just interesting that the Simpsons did not go down the route of endless sequels to their episodes because yeah there's still a new enough show that that's 
totally the route they could have been. It could have been like, oh, I guess it's time for the annual Uncle Herb appearance on our show. And he's one of those guys that James L. Brooks personally knows and can make a phone call. And of course, Danny DeVito would do it. Yeah, they just use so sparingly. I think it might be something they don't like to remind people of because it is like a very like a thing sitcoms do when they're seven season in seven seasons in and out of ideas. Well, it it ruins actually so many plot lines yes. of The Simpsons. If Homer Simpson has a super rich brother mm-hmm. who doesn't hate him, so many problems can just yes. go away. You know, <laughs> early Simpsons is money problems up the wazoo, and it's just like, how will we get this money? You could call Why would your brother. His mother never mentioned it. Why would his dad yeah. never mention this? Why would? Okay. Yeah. 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 I was going to Go say, ahead. this looks like it's the, I mean, it's kind of the last, there's only two full Herb episodes. Yeah. That sounds that right. He basically just pops up once, like as a cameo here and there of like in season 24, someone calls him and his answering machine is, hi, you've reached her pal. I'm poor again. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but it does have one of my favorite Simpsons songs of all time. How would you like a check for $2,000? Would I? (laughs) All you have to do is sign this form. Wait a minute. I'm not signing anything until I read it or somebody gives me the gist of it. (laughs) All right, well, it just explains that you've won, yes, that's it, uh, won the first annual uh, Montgomery Burns uh, uh, Award for... Uh, outstanding achievement in the the, the field of uh, excellence. Don't I get some kind of trophy at a big award ceremony? It's the first annual Montgomery Burns Award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Yes. Uh... So. Things that have just become things JR says. I won't sign this until I read it or someone gives me the gist of it. I have said that when I was buying my home. I know. Because I know. <laughs> you get this huge, giant thing, and it's like, I, I know I should read every page of this most important legal document of my life, but can you just, can you just summarize it for me? Yeah, can we get the TLDR maybe at the top? Just like you can't sue us if you um get eaten by a giant toad or something, uh, whatever. Okay, all right, and then uh, you anyway, also this week so. the forty fourth Primetime Emmy Awards, Murphy Brown taking it for outstanding comedy series, Northern Exposure outstanding drama, which um, is really weird because it's kind of not a drama. Yeah, it's really a comedy it with time. I mean, it's a drama. It's shot like a drama. It's a dramedy. You know, but it's something that's like L.A. Law, Law and Order, Quantum Leap, and I'll Fly Away. Like, those are dramas. Candace, like, real dramas. Candace Bergen wins a Emmy for being Murphy Brown. But, oh, more importantly, everyone's cheering. Craig T. Nelson wins for being coach. The coach on <laughs> coach. Anything else of note here? Uh, I wasn't watching a ton uh, of human like, uh, TV. Bo Bridges is James Brady and the uh, Without Warning the James Brady story James on Brady HBO. Story. You um, know, that's... Oh, oh, Michael fun. Jeter won for Evening Shade. I didn't know he had an Emmy. Good for him. I love that guy. Yay! Good uh, and Laurie Lord. Metcalf yeah. wins for a bunch for for like three Roseanne episodes, <laughs> uh, as she deserves. She's I want so badly for there to be a sitcom with my favorite favorite sitcom actors cuckle, coupled up 
George Costanza and Jackie together, Laurie Metcalf and uh, Jason Alexander, <laughs> have them married and just yell a lot. Then moving on to video games of 1992, Dungeons and Dragons, Warriors of the Eternal Sun Genesis. There's one too many words in that. <laughs> so this is the only Dungeons and Dragons game to ever appear on the Genesis system. Oh, I'm sure well, it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fine. It's a, it's a decent enough game for what it is. And because Mike Tyson's punch out has set the precedent that every good boxer should be headlining a boxing game, you got Evander's Real Deal Boxing. I did like that. They used his nickname. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Real Deal Boxing. So the path to this video game was very simple. Uh, Mike Tyson got a video game, and then Buster Douglas knocked Mike Tyson out, so he got a video game. And then (laughs) Hollyfield knocked out Buster Douglas, Mm -hmm. uh, so he got his video game. And Sugar Ray Leonard got one and didn't knock out any of those guys. Yeah, just be a decent Hmm. boxer, and you get yourself a video game back in the day. Yeah, if you just, if you get, do do you need to win the belt to get the video game, or you just have to beat the guy whether or not it was a qualifying match? I think you just have to beat the guy. That's ideal. It's interesting now, because we still have some realistic fighting games, but it's usually like UFC and whoever's the coolest UFC person gets to be on the cover. Um, So the brand's bigger than the person, but that wasn't really the case with boxing because like, what's the, does, does boxing have like an MLB abbreviation? But I can't tell you what it is either. They have a governing body. Yes. Sure. They do. Music of 1992, uh, August 26th through September 1st. End of the road. I boy seven is still number one, but we have some new releases, uh, including. (laughs) We had had two new releases. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Of course you got tourism by Roxette and scrolls of, Megillioth, Megacath can't be it. Uh, Megillioth by Australian Christian extreme metal band Mortification. <laughs> so pick your poison. Either one, you'll be satisfied. All I want by Toad in the Wet Sprocket is on the charts this week, and oh, we'll close. It's out been with that. creeping up the charts for almost a year, just mm-hmm. slowly toting its way up, and this is about as high as it gets. So, oh, Toad, Toad. To play this at some. We had to play this at some point. Oh, yeah. Because it's 1992, and oh my god, this song just wouldn't go away. But it's good. I like Toad the Wet Sprocket. Toad the Wet Sprocket. Named after a Monty Python yep. line, isn't that right? Well, we'll close out with that, but stay right there. We have so much more to talk about in 2002. Don't move. All I want is to feel this way, to be this close, to feel the same. All I want is to feel this way. The evening speaks, feel it same. Clocks by Guess Who Coldplay off of A Rush of Blood to the Head, which is on Rolling Stone's top 500 album list. I kind of never want to hear this song. (laughs) I feel like I still hear it everywhere and I never put it on. Who keeps doing that? Who keeps doing that? It's fun to drive to. Is it? It's fun. It's an open road, pearl down the windows kind of song for me. I like it. Yeah. I'm not saying I hate it. It's just I I can't think of many songs from 20 years ago I've heard as much as this. It was used in a ton of commercials, movie trailers. Mm -hmm. Anywho, welcome to 2002, August 26th through September 1st. Uh, Other new releases include... uh, So many! Something uh, Worth Leaving Behind by Leanne Womack. Daylight by Duncan Sheik. 
uh, Diamond Princess by Triana, Eve Olution by Eve, Home by The Chicks. What are they The Chicks then? Well, they want to be called that now, so I guess we might as well. Self-titled yeah. uh, debut of thir- the debut of Thirty Seconds to Mars, uh, just trying to live by Devin the Dude. Lost in Space by Amy Mann, My Town by Montgomery Gentry, No Stranger to Shame by Uncle Cracker, and Songs of the Death, Songs of the, for the Death, I can't remember by Queens of the Stone Age. Did have that album, Dilemma by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland is still number one. Still uh, texting by the Excel spreadsheet. Yep. <laughs> Man, I love I love when we have a meme in 2002, 20 years old today, uh, this week. I put on my robe and wizard hat. What are I've my favorites? I've never heard of this. Oh. I've never heard of this. Oh, you're in for a treat. It is It is so fun. It really, it just comes from messing with people on chats. You know, it really was just a guy, I'm assuming it's a guy, who would like try to get people into like saucy sex chats, you know, and they'd be like, oh, and this is really sexy and mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to take off my bra and he's like, yeah, this is getting sexy. I put on my robe and wizard hat. <laughs> and like, what? What, yeah. what are you talking about? I, I put on my robe and wizard hat. It's sex time. And there's a couple times where it's like, you know, I'm just like, oh, stop it. That's not what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm leaving. And then he like rejoins under a different name and does it to the uh, person again. <laughs> more sexy times yeah this is sexy oh yeah you want to see some i put on my robe and wizard hat I'm like oh fuck you again <laughs> it's just funny and it's a fun thing to just say to people just in general especially if you're making out <laughs> uh, <laughs> i might get a little personal <laughs> like yeah i'm yeah. gonna go put on my robe and wizard hat i've, I've never been that fucking daring that I would jeopardize a rare I'm getting some situation and do the I put on my <laughs> robe and wizard but it, it, is, it well, is you don't do it with a one night stand that's the type of thing you do with someone you're regularly with and um, you have a relationship with and it's just yeah. to be fun and silly yeah right. or just talking to your friends yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I was talking to this girl last night and did you put on your robe and wizard hat as, as, a, as a single person <laughs> Dating with the internet, it is bizarre. Twenty years ago, with the internet, with broad, yeah, I had my broadband around. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. That 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 was our sex. That was our sexing with uh, strangers, as opposed to like, oh. yeah, Tinder, Grinder, Bumble. Well, that that's still a thing. It's still is it really triply easy? Yeah, it's tri- It's very easy to dirty chat on the internet, even in this day. What? Yeah. I wouldn't even know where to. I wouldn't even know where to start. Is is there anything new since chat roulette? I wouldn't even know. <laughs> anyway, moving into movies of two thousand two, Signs is still number one at the box office, and that is a Signs. Things aren't great this week. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Not office. they're they're not great. I want to apologize to my co-host for this next movie. Why? Because I did not pull the full title. And therefore, I'm sure I confused you quite a bit because I thought we were watching Perfect Blue this week, except Mm -hmm. that's from 1997. And usually I go with something that's been released. I go with its original release date. Mm -hmm. Perfect Blue came out in Japan in 1997. And I was like, why would I put this here? Oh, because it's not actually Perfect Blue. It is a live action adaptation of Perfect Blue. Oh. Oh, Apparently, people are not big fans of. Oh. I watched the anime. Perfect blue and because you I thought to talk me into it. <laughs> I thought it came out in 1997. A five-year delay for an American release is not unreasonable at that time. Nope. That is something that absolutely happened. When I was teaching in Japan, the students asked me what anime, and I listed them off, and they all went, "Those are so old." 
<laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Just because of the, the delay, yeah, you yeah. know? They, yeah. They, they didn't know the pain of, like, entire, like, subsequent seasons never coming overseas and just wondering what happened to a show that is completed with closure. Totally happened. I'm just going to take real... Real quick, because I watched the wrong movie. The anime Perfect Blue is a masterpiece. It is a incredibly good film. It's anime, but there's no guns, no robots, no time travel, no magic. It's set in contemporary Japan. It does an amazing job at portraying a psychological state of uncertainty. It uses animation as a great tool to show you this person slowly losing their grip on reality where they don't know what is real and what is not real. And I really wanted Diana to watch it because I know she doesn't (laughs) like anime, but I was hoping that this would be an exception like the uh, uh, Miyazaki Miyazaki movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so far, Studio Ghibli's been the only thing that manages to break through my dislike of anime aesthetics. So, yeah, I know Perfect Blue has a wonderful reputation. I know Darren Aronofsky says it's like a major influence on him. Um, I'll get to it. Well, yeah, yeah, the guy who made, God, what is wrong with my brain? The drug movie? Yeah, Aronofsky. Aronofsky. What's the movie called? Oh, Requiem Requiem for a a Dream. Dream. So he bought the rights to this film just so he could copy scenes from Perfect Blue for Requiem for a Dream. Oh, neat. That's, I mean, I appreciate him, yeah, not just saying, it's an homage. Like, yeah, now cough up some money, bitch. Mm -hmm. Good for you. So I got nothing to say about the live action yeah. version. Yeah. I didn't even know it existed until uh, this moment. I, uh, I thought I we didn't I, find I, many nice things about it. I thought we were watching the Blue Girls, so I watched something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, which made it much harder to watch the next movie. Uh, John Carroll Lynch, Mike White, Zoe Zachanel, Tim Blake Nelson, John C. Riley, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jennifer Aniston in The Good Girl. Yeah. See, we had a lot of weird crap this week, but mm-hmm. at least sometimes we get some good weird crap. Uh, the Good Girl is. Uh, Miguel Arteta and Mike White's follow-up to Chuck and Buck. Chuck and Buck fucking suck. Fucking great movie. Jennifer Aniston kicks some ass in this because I like we have another The Good Blank movie we get to talk about where mm-hmm. both are dark comedies where it turns out she's not so good. Nope. Yeah, so she is not a good person. She is at a, all. not a good person. Nope. But she's stuck in a small town with her dumb husband, John C. Riley, who's you know professionally dumb husbands, and ends up having an affair with Jake Gyllenhaal pretty much just still being Donnie Darko. It's kind of the same character. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. gosh, there's just no reason. For, she's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. He's like 22. And he's not like an interesting go-getter 22. He's like a total loser 22-year-old yep. with n- pretensions of grandeur that are so bad. Like, yeah. ridiculously bad. Yeah, he's uh, read he, Catcher in the Rye a whole lot, and he really uh-huh. relates to it. And he named himself after the character in Catcher in the Rye. And if you call him by his actual legal name, he will say, that's my slave name. (laughs) And he's white, just so we're clear. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, um, she just ends up doing terrible things because she's so bored and just once again he's uh, then jake gyllenhaal's like oh okay i'm bored too in this small town fuck the small town um how about i steal a bunch of money and we'll go on the run and she's like dude what that's not what and then meanwhile like tim blake nelson finds out about the affair and starts blackmailing her and everything just sort of falls apart because she's 
just so bored and has like no morals whatsoever. And she's she, freaking great in this. I would have yeah. loved to see Jennifer Aniston do more stuff like this. It's a great acting performance from her, but you know, she goes to some yuck thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, she convinces her husband that the pregnancy she has is his, despite the fact that he is sterile. So, yeah. and she's yeah. fucked at least two other guys this month, two other guys. And yeah. so, she is tricking him into raising a child who is not his own, which is very, very bad. And easy, not not okay. good, and easy no. to do if it's John C. Riley. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He just sits around and, and smokes with his buddy Tim Blake Nelson and watches uh, Happy Tree Friends. So, I mean, wow. I understand that. Wow. 2002 in a nutshell. Jesus. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the good girl. I, yeah, got really good reviews, but it like barely got released and nobody really noticed it. And it's like, damn it, this is the direction I wanted Jennifer Aniston's career to go. Like, keep doing weird indie stuff, yep. you know, between this and Office Space and stop making shitty rom-coms nobody likes. And, like, develop as an actor. But, like, she's like, I have all the money in the world. I'll do what I want. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good girl. Total recommend. Uh, and our... <laughs> First uh, confusingly titled film. This is, we have. Uh, Damn it. I, I thought there was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> we got Toby yes. Stevens, Lena Headey, uh, Jennifer Eel, Jeremy Northam, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Aaron Eckhart in possession. Possession. I shan't forget the first glimpse of your form. A secret affair. I have dreamt nightly of your face. I cannot let you burn me up. Forbidden desire. How can I resist you? A love that transcends time. I'm reading the title. This is so great that we have a movie called Possession and we have a movie called The Possession in mm -hmm. 2012. So it's, I assumed it's pretty easy to pick the wrong one if you're going <laughs> to be renting them. And I love the idea of people wanting to watch a period romance and ending up with the haunting movie. Or wanting the haunting movie and ending up with the period romance <laughs> about, oh, these two poets, they were sparring publicly, but instead, turns out they had a secret love affair. <laughs> oh, boy. And then meanwhile, like in the present, Aaron Eckhart and Gwyneth Paltrow were also sort of sparring. And then could the sparks be flying in a secret love affair? <sighs> Sounds like yeah. boring Cloud Atlas. More boring Cloud Atlas. I like Cloud yeah. Atlas. I mean, it's... I guess if you're into Jane Austen-y type stuff, then you would probably like the flashbacky scenes. And mm. I kind of found the present day stuff to like, I, we don't need this. I don't get it. Why are you bothering? And it's adapted from a book. And the book is supposed to be much, much better, which I believe because also this is made by Neil LeBute, which I don't understand why he's attracted to this because that's not his thing. His thing is making movies that are secretly about how much he fucking hates women. And Aaron Eckhart is usually there. <laughs> He does have a and, hateable face. Yeah. Undeniably well, handsome, you know, but like he looks in, he looks he looks like a, if a jock could grow old like <laughs> in, into his 70s. Yeah. You know, I think he's more of a in the company of men kind of guy, mm. not a oh, I looked at you across the ballroom and I could not contain my feelings for you. <laughs> oh, please hold my hand. That would be ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, it's just fun. Possession, no the is possession fun. possession one words don't be confused as we move to the next segment but that none of that can hold a candle to nigel terry jeffrey combs amelia curtis udo kier stephen ray natasha McKellone, and uh stephen dorf oh one word fear.com 
the power that can find you. I'm coming for you. Seduce you. The one thing that all the victims have in common is the fear of sight. And scare you. Don't you want to play with me? To death. Fear.com. The last sight you'll ever see. Going on the internet too much, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so... There is a scene in this movie where a guy goes up to a woman. He's never met her. He's a stranger to her. He says to her that she's pretty. And she responds with, do you mean that? And that's all it took for her to go with him to an unknown location to be murdered. (laughs) Is serial killing really that easy? That seems a ridiculously easy serial killing to me. You sound like someone who's never felt unpretty. But as someone who has JR, yes, sometimes that's all it takes. (laughs) Hasn't even happened to me yet. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a ghost in this movie makes a website which (laughs) opens up so many questions. Are there ghost computers? Like every time I throw my computer in the garbage, does it go to the the afterlife? Is it it an angel fire site? Can I still find it? Yeah. Is it... <laughs> Can they use my Pentium 2 to create their website? What's going on here? Ooh, uh... Yeah. Google said yep. this is not secure. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went to fear.com.com, which is supposed to be the, the website. I also went to fear.com. Neither one of them is really working. Boy, gosh, this kind of sounds familiar. Kind of sounds like this is a Japanese movie that maybe they're busy remaking for American audiences right as we speak. It sounds a lot like The Rang. Maybe it's exactly the same, except that it uses new technology instead of old VHSs. Makes total sense. Uh, Um, What if the internet was a haunted house? (laughs) Yeah, it's just... uh, I've updated my ghost to be HTML5 compliant. Uh, look Don't out for the JavaScript. Haunted website on edge. Only use Firefox. Firefox. <laughs> My flash will yeah. crash your browser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. What's pretty funny is that kind of like in a bizarre way, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, where it's like everyone thought this sucked. And some people have kind of gone back and reevaluated it and said, like, it actually like visually has some interesting stuff going on. It is just really rock stupid, but it's like it's so rock stupid that it comes around to being brilliant again. I don't know. I saw some horror fans actually trying to go to bat for just trying to explain what they liked about it. And it was kind of like, okay. They've made <laughs> five times made really dumb. Five times the box office of Firewalk with me. I think that's a shame. Can we, uh, can we get into the, cam. the television The television this week? Because uh, what's Teen Summit? Uh, so basically, this is black teens talking about stuff. And it started in 1989. So it would have ran 13 years. Wow. Wow. Speaking of black teens, I thought this was funny. We were talking about this off mic because most nobody knows what I'm about to tell you. Mm. This week, 20 years ago, VH1 uh, behind the music become VH1's longest running program at five years. Can you believe it? Five years. A show on VH1 has been on the air. And if you didn't know, now VH1 is basically an African American centric network. It is like mm-hmm. Black Ink, Wives of Miami, Basketball Wives, and yeah, and was RuPaul's looking, Drag Race. Uh, yeah, RuPaul's it. Drag Race, and like every everything on there 
has been on for more than behind the music was. Almost everything has been on for more seasons than behind the music. I thought that was wow. silly. Teen Teen Summit, a Witchblade. That sounds like a video game. But no, Teen Summit is over. It's a, it was a comic book. It was a comic book, and this is a rare TV show based on a comic book in the late '90s and early 2000s. It ran what? for two years. It was canceled, and pretty much everyone agrees it was canceled because the main star had trouble with alcoholism. Mm. It was getting some of the highest ratings on uh, TNT, which is where it was uh, being broadcast, which is one of those things was like TNT had a comic book television show. But yeah, um, Mm. uh, sometimes you just can't proceed if someone has serious mental problems that they need to get help with. Mm. Yeah, just too bad. I like Yancey Butler. She. She's got a ass-kicking female heroine thing going on where it's like, yeah, I can believe that she can beat people up. Mm, even if it's with this, like, it's like a magic gauntlet that something, something's. Uh-huh. It's yeah. a magic gauntlet. And if you look up some cosplays of the Witchblade uniform, they are amazing. And not so on the show where they just go, eh, it's a TV budget. Just use your gauntlet and that's it in your street clothes. Yeah. yeah. And um, we also have, uh, finally... The VMAs, the Video Music Awards. Not to harp on too much channel drift, but I can't stand how irrelevant MTV is now to everything, considering how it mm-hmm. used to define youth culture and how f- how fun this this looks. This is is this where Triumph interviews Moby and Eminem, and Eminem doesn't hate Triumph Insult Comedy? It can't be. This is the one where they get in a fight or something like that, and he's, he's pushing him away. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> James Gandolfini introducing Bruce Springsteen, like ah. Uh. Oh, what we just fuck? all became New Jerseyans somehow. How did that happen? <laughs> what the fuck? This is so cool. Britney Spears introducing Michael Jackson, the cast of Jackass introducing best rap video. Like, doesn't this seem fun? Why don't you have shows and stuff, MTV? What the fuck? Anyway, uh, video of the year is Eminem's Without Me as as it is best male video. I prefer the male oh. videos. Totally kidding. Pink seems a weird distinction, but it certainly does, especially for the progressive awards. Uh, Pink, get this party started. It's best female video, best group video, no doubt, Hey Baby. And the best new artist is Avril Lavigne for Complicated. You know, the punk rock girl with the punk rock song. Best rock video, mm. Lincoln Park in the end. My God, I, I only associate that, so, that song with endless YouTube and Newgrounds 9 11 tributes. <laughs> Hey, Mary J. Blige got uh, best R and B video for No More Drama. That is a really good video. Yes, and uh, I like that one. Jennifer Lopez and Ja Rule are back to haunt us with "I'm Real" getting best hip hop video, different from Eminem's best rap video. Without me, <laughs> the fuck. Best video from a film is Chad Kroger's "Hero" from the Spider Man soundtrack, which, by the way, is my show stopping karaoke song. It is really fun to sing like Chad <laughs> Kroger to the Spider Man song. Please do it next time you're doing karaoke. Oh, White Stripes get breakthrough video. Fell in love with a girl. Um, oh, yeah. That's, um, is that the one with the, the Legos? Or... I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Tons of celebrities. Uh, seems so fucking fun. I, I watched MTV's recent video and music awards, and it was, granted, it was during COVID, but like, yeah, it just didn't have this the same cultural cachet because, I mean, granted, it was definitely youth oriented and I didn't recognize a bunch of folks. It just, <laughs> it lacked that. Yep party fun atmosphere completely I, yeah i always love the vmas miss them dearly once again a short 2002 segment but come on you saw the movies we had to talk about for fuck's sake we thankfully have one of my favorite games 
of an entire platform on here, but I'm yep. not going to give it to you first. <laughs> we got Turok Evolution on PS2 as that franchise slowly peters out. Mafia goes to Windows. <laughs> Turok was a big deal. It was. Okay. Until this game. He had a comic book. He had four games on one console generation. He had an action figure line. And then with this game, Turok Evolution, he became a, do you remember Turok? Yeah. I think Turok might predate that comic book based on his game. I think it was originally like an old ass comic. <clears throat> yeah, like that. a gold key comic. Like, yeah, I, I can't remember. Mafia's ported onto Windows. No, this is its uh, release. Oh, is it? Yep. Double check right. that. Uh, so Mafia is set in the Prohibition era, 1930s. It's a super slow game. Yep. It is <laughs> it's, not it's GTA. So you have to drive old cars 20 miles an hour. To get everywhere. <laughs> and you will get pulled over and given a ticket if you speed. Keep in mind, <laughs> there is no in-game currency. Getting pulled over and getting a ticket does not cost you money. It just costs you time. time. So this game is like, this isn't GTA. You're getting a ticket and you're going to have to sit there as the cop writes you a ticket. <laughs> and it, it does an excellent job of simulating driving cars from the 1930, which hint... Not great. Yeah. Not that's, cars. that's where NASCAR came from. It did. Was making their not great cars faster than the not great cars that the cops had. Mm -hmm. yeah. Running whiskey. Yep. yep. Getting all the way up to 40 miles an hour. 40 uh, miles. Can the human body even stand that? No. But, uh, this gets said as having one of the greatest stories in video games. And my response to that is always read a book. Read a book. Okay. <laughs> Yep. If you think any video game storyline is really that great, please just read a yes, book. It's to describe what you're about to be shooting. It is not Shakespeare, almost ever. Um, and then, uh, oh, I love to hate this game. SOCOM, U.S. Navy SEALs, a new franchise introduced on PS2 with a big cachet of being online. This was so unusual. A console game being primarily online in 2002 was like very, very not done. I well, mean, it was unusual for Sony, where you had to buy this online adapter separately. Xbox had a broadband input out of the gate. I was playing mostly online on Xbox. I hated the online for Sony, but when we were working in games, uh, Microsoft hadn't really penetrated Europe that well as well as Sony's had. So this was huge in Europe. Like a U.S. Navy SEALs game w was, as far as I know, not played by anybody I know in stateside, but a ton of our readers cared about SOCOM uh, on the well, Europe it's, level. It's a little different because you win a victory by not just being the most strategic player, but the most strategic team. Mm-hmm. That's another thing very unusual in 2002. But uh, unfortunately, given the nature of p the PS2, that meant it was trivially easy for hackers to just cheat on online yep. games. Like, there was no way to stop it. It was we, we just were, like, oh. This we were guy talking about uh, on Video Game Apocalypse, I got that PlayStation 2 online adapter immediately. And unlike the Xbox, it came with not only a broadband Ethernet connection, it came with a phone jack connection. And the games that came with the online didn't match you with people of your bandwidth speed. So you were playing, oh, if you're playing on broadband, you could be playing. So it's, everything looks like absolute shit. <laughs> Everything's, everybody's running at different speeds, totally incapable of sending this data over the internet. I, I really hated everything online in the PS2, as did most Americans. But the, the biggest game 
speaking of stuff in this episode that might be need that probably needed to be reevaluated. I don't even remember what this commercial sounded like. The world of special place, cherish life and never waste. Everyone loves a sunshiny day. We're gonna keep it that way. Let's clean is better than dirty, and dirty's neater than clean. Let's all lend a helping hand. Mario can't do it alone. He'll spray his water to fly around and clean the sludge that's on the ground. Cause clean is better than dirty, and dirty's neater than clean. Super Mario Sunshine, only for Nintendo GameCube. I don't remember that at all. That is fucking bizarre. <laughs> that, that I thought there was going to be a twist and a guitar riff. Clean off. You were, you were expecting to play it loud. Mama. Yeah, like I, that, <laughs> no, that was just a thoroughly sincere Mentos-esque commercial <laughs> promoting Super Mario Sunshine, kind of the the redheaded stepchild of the 3D Mario series. Um, but I love it. It was re-released recently, and I think people got to see it's just such a beautiful looking game partially because instead of making you play in the mushroom kingdom you play in one of my favorite locations isle delfino a tropical location covered in muck and you have a water jetpack called the flood that you get to clean everything off it had some frustrating collectathon areas some odd dialogue choices but like all in all a very pleasant mario game with a really an absurdly pleasant overworld i love the feel of this world i love the vibe i love tropical things i love it in real life and i love it in my video games as a little escape so i didn't have the slightest problem with mario leaving the mushroom kingdom to go to a tropical paradise run around i think this game has a lot going for it but i want to put our listeners in the mindset of 2002 the nintendo 64 wasn't a huge hit it wasn't a disaster but the last few years were pretty weak And then the GameCube came out, and its launch was not that strong. And I know it seems strange in 2022, but Nintendo could have absolutely gone the way of Sega. This had been a huge amount of time since a mainline Mario game. 1996 is when we had Mario 64. No other big Mario games. It's probably the most time that elapsed during that period, because even on portables, it was re-releases of... uh existing Mario games, the Game Boy Advance. There wasn't a portable series like New Super Mario Brothers to come in between. It's just a really long fucking time, like six years in between a mainline Mario game. Yeah, Uh, but it looks gorgeous. I think the controls suffer from being made in 2002. You know, we have a very standard 3D control set, and that hadn't really been locked in stone in 2002 the way it is in 2022 and no matter how much you like the gamecube controller controller it's stupid and optimized for only luigi's mansion that is it (laughs) that's the only thing it works the best for yeah i don't think there's any reason to play the original over the remaster yeah the and i should say that sorry to bore you with this diana nintendo did a controversial thing last year and announced Mario 3D Classics Collection, not mm-hmm. semi remaster. Yeah, this is it's it it comes through high, and it's a widescreen to fit your television, mm-hmm. which the original never was, or maybe it was. I forget. I emulated this in a dolphin. It looked really good. Anyway, Nintendo's like, yeah, but we'll only be selling this until the end of April, and then it goes off sale. It did digitally, but these are still floating around a ton of retail stores. So if you see yeah, Mario 3D All Stars, pick it up. I'm part of the problem, guys, because uh, that marketing totally worked with me mm-hmm. if it hadn't been a limited time i would have been like well i don't need to play it now but i was like i like digital i don't want to have any carts all right nintendo good job being evil because it worked here's my money <laughs> i was just three of my favorite games of all time i i couldn't i was throwing 
brand new IP away just to make room to play three old Mario games. Yeah. I mean, what more can you want from a video game? Playing this in the Isle Delfino, I'm like, yeah, this is fun. This is pleasant. I love this. I finished all um, three in a row. There's some weird parts to it. Uh, this is the game where Bowser Jr. thinks Peach is his mom. And Peach isn't sure if that's true or not. <laughs> Which is one of those things where, Nintendo, you do not want me to think about this, do you? Really? You don't yeah, they, want me to think about this. They just, uh, they just watched Long Kiss Goodnight, and she just washed up on the shore pregnant. Could be. <laughs> could be. And it uh, uh, did the controversial thing of giving voices to the characters. Yes, it did. This is the game where Mario talks the most, and we in America got a little lucky because he's voiced a lot more in the Japanese version. Yeah, because we played a clip a long time ago in a laser time when Charles Martinet as Mario talks for a long time. It is really grating. Really <laughs> yeah. grating. You cannot listen to that voice say more than two sentences. Yeah, and, at uh, best. It... Oh, my head. Easy. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm beat. Aren't I done yet? There's more. <laughs> it's, yeah, no so long gay Bowser, but but yeah, it's, it's still there. Love Super Mario Sunshine. Love Charles Martinet. Don't mean to give him shit. Yeah, um, I actually like the flood system. I think it adds a great element to 3D platforming. I know that's not a popular opinion, but I think it's 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 a nice little addition. No, I thought so too, especially to Mario's acrobatics and, and whatnot. I, I wasn't in love with the, a lot of the gunk removal mechanics but um i still think this this game is great it was my favorite thing to revisit in that mario 3d all-stars it is the best thing in that package even though i like maybe both the other games more it was served the best in the recent re-release so i, I recommend people pick it, it up yeah um and i yeah enjoyed my time i played all three in a row and enjoyed my time with sunshine way more than the other two i will say this is the most rushed mario game because the GameCube was a little struggling. So they did really release this probably a year earlier than they would most other Mario games. It's the first Nintendo a... platform uh, console to launch without a Mario game. No mm -hmm. Mario game. And yep. it's common now, but it didn't used to ever happen. Nope. And I definitely feel they were like, no, we need to make sure the GameCube exists. So release it before it's polished to perfection. And that's what Nintendo is best at. Mm -hmm. I feel like every Mario game after this, it's like, no, you polish it to perfection because we don't want the clunkiness that some parts of uh, Mario Sunshine do have. Mm. All right. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it for 2002. Let's go out with a long time gone by the chicks. Uh, but stay right there. When we get back, we got a movie with the word possession in it to talk to you about. We should go out with uh, Sonny and Cher at this point to make people think it's Groundhog Day. Anyway, don't move. We'll be right back. <laughs> Brother found work in Indiana Sister's a nurse at the old folks' home Mom's still cooking too much for supper and me I've been a long time gone Been a long time gone No, I ain't hold a row since I don't know when Long time gone And it ain't coming back internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of august 26th through september 1st we get uh yeah we got two classics um one of them 
Well, they're both kind of hard to watch, I'll be honest. Uh, let's start with 75 years ago this week, saw the release of the film noir Kiss of Death that was sort of vaguely remade in 95 with Nicolas Cage. And, uh, but they left out the best part. And the best part is Richard Widmark, I think in his first film role, is this like grinning fucking psychopath who is so creepy and so scary that like he ends up selling the movie the rest of the movie you know it's got victor mature and brian dunleavy and these are people that you know if you're a classic film nerd who watches too much tcm you know their names but the rest of you yeah maybe not so much but it's about you know these gangsters and they end up in prison and there's this psychopath that they're trying to deal with and they got to cross him and double cross him they filmed uh live in astoria queens and at sing sing so it does have some really cool you know documentary footage frankly uh, of the streets 75 years ago so yeah i gotta recommend it for that it's not the greatest of noirs i mean it's kind of like white heat but not as good but kiss of death 47 yeah i'll totally recommend and then 50 years ago this week a movie more important than good that i cannot recommend because dear god is it hard to watch because it's last house on the left the debut of Wes craven a rape revenge movie that is um yeah, pretty freaking graphic. It was uh, very, very controversial at the time because they said, well, this is basically pornography. And like, it's not actually pornography. It's based on an Ingmar Bergman film. Literally, this is true. It's based on The Virgin Spring, which is kind of the same story of there's a girl. She is uh, abducted and tortured and raped. And then the folks who did it kind of accidentally stumble on her family and try to hide what they've done. And then the family figures it out and... Now there's going to be a lot of violence. But really, I just want to celebrate that Last House on the Left turning 50 means the films of Wes Craven turn 50. And yeah, he's someone that, you know, I miss. We lost him in 2015, but People Under the Stairs we've talked about on this is pretty cool. Uh, I still haven't seen Red Eye, but I've heard this real good. But all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, you know, Swamp Thing, Serpent in the Rainbow. Oh, man, that's a messed up movie. And also Music of the Heart. Everyone forgets about that one. Just... You wait for something horrible to happen in it. No, no, it's just Meryl Streep and them kids. And they're happy and playing music. But yeah, Wes Craven, I mean, one of the most important names in, in modern horror. So yeah, his work turns 50 this week. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Into 2012 with We Are Never Getting Back Together, Never Ever, by Taylor Swift. It's number one. Wow. Yep. Uh, yep. Wow. The dominance of Taylor Swift is officially here. A decade old. It's just hard to think about. She still strikes me as like a. Well, She's a new artist. Yeah. Ten-year-old artists are new artists. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. And she's not even like she was around before that doing country shit, right? So like, uh, yeah, yeah, been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and August old. It's new. August twenty sixth to September first. Uh, we have other new releases, including North by Matchbox Twenty, Dead End Kings by uh, Catatonia, One Wing by The Chariot, Welcome to Our House by Slaughterhouse, uh, The Seer by The Swan by Just Swans, Beautiful Surprise by Tamia. My Teenage Dream Ended by Teen Mom Farrah, Teen Mom Farrah Abram. <laughs> All right. Put a pin in that. We're coming back to talk about this. Okay. 
be releasing yep. a book and an album at the same time, and they have to be addressed as either the worst thing that's ever happened or brilliant outsider art. Okay. We'll huh. get to it. Hold uh, on. We'll get there. Some... Uh, uh, Bunch of notable stuff happening in the news outside of pop culture. Uh, first inter- interplanetary human voice recording is broadcast from the Mars rover Curiosity. So if someone says something on a dead planet, can it really have been heard on the dead planet? Hmm. Oh, I'm really curious. I'm such a what, state of Zen now. What, what should be the first human voice recording on another planet? Gilbert Godfrey. I know what it is. I know what it is. Yeah. Okay. If I'm the first person to land on Mars, mm-hmm. the first thing I'm going to say is, unfortunately, no one recorded what the first person on Mars said. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to mess with historians. <laughs> For the next thousand years. Oh, that is good. The historians, when they talk about the first thing said on another planet, they'll be, okay, let me explain this for 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> you just created a historical paradox. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think I'd say Waza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also this week, Mitt Romney is officially nominated as the United States Republican Party's candidate for president. And 10 years later, he will go on to represent the values of the Republican Party. Just kidding. Um, uh, yeah. Don't you miss Mitt me. Romney now? Wouldn't you give like a, a pinky for Mitt Romney? If he had I always thought he was an honorable guy. And I think mm-hmm. his recent behavior shows that. Yeah. Also tragedies the usada strips lance armstrong of his seven tour de france titles this week why his lack of a testicle i believe (laughs) made him lighter a whole lot of doping um which he wouldn't cop to right away strong has had a lot of ups and downs um Mm. i want to say it's all uh, ups they took they took his. Well, he did have cancer, Chris. Like really that bad. That wasn't cancer. part of his doping. Yeah. I, I was just talking like when they were stripping him of his titles. I'm like, well, you can't strip the endorsement money I made and all the money I made and banging Cheryl Crow. None of that can take that away. So <laughs> you're right. You know, at the end of the day, he is a multi multi millionaire who mm-hmm. never has to worry about anything financially again for the rest it, of his life. Literally, if I could do anything, sh- dope up and win the lottery. Do that in a second, but I, I guess it have to actually work at something. So it's not it's not mm. as easy as it sounds. But again, I, I heard, may have heard me defend there just because you use illegal drugs to get more physically fit. It, it's not like the super soldier serum yes. with Captain America. You still have to work your ass off incredibly, <laughs> incredibly hard, yep. even if you're using illegal drugs. I did. It, yeah. Did we talk about Good that point. last week? I said it somewhere else, but yeah, I watched that documentary it's been said many times. Bitter, but it's, yeah, because everything pe- people think is what people called roid rage, we actually now know better as CTE. Hmm. Yeah, it's not Popeye spinach. You need to be working out all day. Uh, a massive fitness rev- regime for steroids to work. They do not do anything. Most of these people are already athletes already. Not that it, Lance Armstrong should should have doped. If the league says no doping, then there's no doping. It's simple as that. But uh, as someone who doesn't like sports, add an extra arm. I don't care at all. <laughs> Make the most interesting mutant you want to win the most races. It doesn't matter to me in the slight. Put, uh, put a motor on it, like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. A uh, turtle shell <laughs> that can speed him to the finish faster. Yup. Uh, you just want to watch Tour de Pharmacy to happen for real. That shit is so funny. And if, <laughs> watch it just at like. Please watch it. Everyone watch Tour de Pharmacy on HBO. John Cena it's, like F5s is a completely naked man with his dick waving around everywhere. It's one of my favorite yep. slow motion scenes Aww. in the entire movie. <laughs> 
I hope those guys I, make another I thing. Recently canceled my HBO subscription. Why? <laughs> I didn't like the new Game of Thrones. I oh, was, uh, was hanging on to my subscription solely to give the new Game of Thrones a chance. I couldn't care. Mm. It, it w- I just could not care. I would cancel my HBO Max because of what they've done to uh, Batgirl, Animation, Scoob. Yeah. It's just, it just never ending. However, I'd have to tell my dad that I'm using his HBO uh, login. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that because the rehearsal just ended. The rehearsal was awesome. Anyway, no. we're, we're 10 years ago in 2012. And yeah. uh, we're talking obviously about Michael Pena, Rob Murrow, Taraji P. Henson, Kylie uh, Keo, and Keo? And Riley Keo. Keo. And Orlando Bloom and the Good Doctor. Hey, speaking of Elvis, there's his granddaughter. What? Yeah. Riley Keo is Elvis's granddaughter. It is? She. Didn't know that. <laughs> no. Not it. <laughs> All right. She. She's also in Mad Max Fury Road. You, you know really? her. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the good doctor, kind of like the good girl. Bit of a misnomer in that Orlando Bloom is like becoming a doctor and he is a giant fucking narcissist egomaniac and he loves all the praise that he gets from folks. So he starts to help this girl get better and he loves all the praise. So he starts Munchausen by proxying her of kind of fucking around so that it takes her longer to get better so he can get more praise. It does not work out well because that's sick and horrible and don't fucking do that. Jesus, I would hate to ever meet a filmmaker who made that premise and they all lived happily ever after. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, very, very dark comedy. I I admit I did not get to watch the whole thing. I watched a big chunk of it and I was like, damn, really? Like, dark comedies are hard to pull off. We just don't see that many. And they never do very well. Like, there's no massively successful dark comedy. It is, it is maybe Doctor Strange Love, but like, that is it. I, Groundhog Day, maybe, that yeah. you, you just brought up. Cause it's like, well, there's an awful lot of death, but it's okay. And, and some Cohen Brothers stuff. And, but yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it's not, it's never like a crowd pleasing box office hit. It is a critically well received network. Co- network. Network. Oh, right. It's a huge hit. Yeah. Eh, that's a good point. There you go. Yeah. Fargo. Fargo yeah. was a dark comedy. That was a huge hit. Maybe yep. even that one from last year with Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Maybe that counts. It just, but oh, it, yeah, it, don't it, look up. Don't look up. Movie. But it, it doesn't happen on screens. It's not something like people want to risk putting millions of dollars into to get people to go to theaters to be kind of bummed when they're laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, what I saw was pretty good. Reviews were like, yeah, it's pretty good. So, good doctor. You want to give that a try? See, yeah, Orlando Bloom being a bit of a dick. Yay. And uh, up next, we got Hannah uh, Fearman, Adam Wingard, Lane Hughes, and Calvin Reeder in VHS. I am a sucker for horror anthology movies, thanks to my love for Creep Show and Cat's Eye and Tales from the Crypt. So mm-hmm. it's one of the most well represented genres these days. If you have a Shutter account, streaming services, there's so much horror to watch. And it's mm-hmm. much easier to jump into something that's like, if you don't like this immediately, in 20 minutes, this will be different. And yep. Yep. Uh, so the only thing I do want to tell our listeners is that this is a found footage yes. movie, and I've lost 80% of our audience. Um, <laughs> I don't uh, hate found footage is, stuff. I kind of do. Uh, this was a rough watch for me for like the first 15 minutes, just because they go crazy with the shaky cam, yeah. where it's just mm-hmm. like, you are actively punishing my eyeballs. I get what you're going for, but it's physically unpleasant for me to watch. So it was a little too much for me. 
once you get into the actual anthology, because they started up with a group of asshole burglars and uh, sexual assaulters filming their crimes, and then they get a job to go steal a VHS tape from this haunted house, basically. Mm -hmm. And they're told, you'll know it when you find it. And then they go in and they start watching all these tapes and then they slowly die one by one. So there's a theory in the fan community for this film that they are, in fact, the VHS tape they're supposed to find, that their deaths mm -hmm. in the haunted house is the, the tape they're supposed to find. Oh, but I like that. yeah, I like that too. I didn't get it until I read an online review after watching the film, but yeah, I like <laughs> that. Uh, but the individual stories themselves are pretty much all good. Yeah. Um, I think it's yeah. one of the better anthology films in the last uh, 10 years. I, I, but however, I was on a date with a young woman who was a big horror fan and I told her I am watching, we're talking about VHS and as, as, as someone who was working in a feminist field, she sort of said like, fuck that movie. Every single scene is either anti-woman or women torture it's like this genre is defined by final girls and there is not like a she hmm. she found the it, this the feminist approach uh angle of this i'm just glad i could express that because that's that's why i try and have different perspectives on the shows i wouldn't have fucking yeah that wouldn't occurred to me at all yeah i, I can kind of see that i mean horror is brutal you know mm -hmm. that's one thing about it horror is brutal and i don't believe that as a general rule we as an audience accept brutality towards women the same way we accept brutality towards men. Yes. We kind of operate. And, uh, if there's a white guy well, in your movie, he probably deserves something. Right. In one of these anthologies, a girl takes all her friends camping and all of her friends are killed one by one. And at the very end, I interpret the ending of that as she turns into the monster who was killing them. Mm. Because at the beginning of that, she says, you're all going to fucking die up here. And no one calls her on it. They're, they're not like, we're going camping with you. What the hell? And it's only after they smoke weed that they set, go, you know, it's kind of odd that you said we're all going to fucking die up here. What yeah. was that about? So, yeah, uh, I, I can get where she's coming from, but I think each story works. Yeah. And there's yeah. Uh, more well, stories I mean, than your average and, anthology. Yeah, one film. of those, I, I did not, I have to admit, I did not watch it because I am a giant baby. But reading the synopsis saying like, oh, one of those stories is about a group of men who want to sexually exploit drunk girls. Mm -hmm. And then they end up being hideously murdered by one of them. Mm -hmm. so, a succubus. Like, yeah, it's the yay. classic succubus tale. All right. Yeah, with a wonderful pterodactyl so, moment. And yeah. that one was turned into a full-length movie later on. So I got to think a lot of these things were like, let's test these and see if any of these premises could hold out for a full length movie. That happens. It does happen. So what was it? We were just talking to some friend about, uh, yeah, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. That was Tales from the Crypt episode. Yep. Turned into a whole film. Okay. And then next film up in this week, we got a For a Good Time call, Ellipses, with Seth Rogen, Justin Long, Lauren Ann Miller, and Ari Grainer. Yep. Uh, I have to admit, I didn't get to it. Did anyone? No. Even though I, I wanted to because it's a raunchy girl comedy. I had 25 hours of Twin Peaks to watch. It was difficult. So <laughs> I did watch this. Mm -hmm. uh, the okay, premise but... is that a girl who's not used to talking dirty joins her hostile roommate in a <laughs> phone sex company. So you've got a bit of the odd couple and these two roommates do not get along. They're only doing it because it's New York. They can't live apart. So they have to share this apartment with each other. The girl who moved to the city for a big job loses it. Can't find another. She finds out her roommate runs a phone sex line and 
I think it's great. I think it's super funny. It's super raunchy, but I'm down with it. You know, this is the period where we have all the bromance films. Mm-hmm. This is a womance film. <laughs> <laughs> because it really explores intense female friendships. And I'm a sucker for friendship movies, male or female. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one thing I did find interesting is that they referenced the film single white female in this movie 20 years later after we just it it is still a reference that the movie makers fully expect you to understand no explanation Mm. but it's a recommend for me i i like comedies and i like friendship comedies and this is that yeah this this was one of the ones on my list that was like i just don't have enough time Mm -hmm. and that yeah this this is the size of movie that's i think this is actually canadian and it's like that yeah where we find the hidden gems is in little movies like mm-hmm. that where it's like yeah it's a decent movie mostly it it's is it written well and are the the uh performances pretty good yeah it's fun yeah it sounds like a lot of fun but ah, i love the single white female reference that makes me happy yeah. and uh and if you know <sighs> any let me know failure hard pivot i love if, if i were to read this cast failure <laughs> If I were to read this cast, I would bet 99% of our listeners would never in a million years be able to guess what movie this no, is. 99. No, 99.999. Nope. Jamie... I watched chunks of it. I can't. Have you seen a movie with Jamie Presley, Carrie Elways, um, as you wish, Chaz Palmin Terry, Christopher Lloyd, Cloris Leachman, Cloris Leachman, and Tony, Bra- Tony Braxton, the Tony Braxton, yes. It's because you didn't see the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. I'm sure maybe you have a... <laughs> Shitty no movie podcast. If no you were, it, unless you're listening to actively listening to a shitty movie podcast, there's no reason you would have heard about this because a, it's not for you, and b, it's one of the biggest bombs of the modern era. Uh, it, mm-hmm. Not that it cost a shitload, but that it made nothing. Given like sixty no. million dollars were put into the production, marketing, and merchandising. So they were basically trying to make a Teletubbies ripoff. That was their whole purpose of this. But then the filmmaker saw Medea and he was blown away by how much the audience talked to the screen in Medea. Wow. So he thought it would be a better (sighs) idea if in his movie, the audience all talked back to the screen. But I think there might be a slight tiny difference between the targeted audience of Medea and the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. And as a parent... The idea of going to a movie where the toddlers are all encouraged to shout at the screen <laughs> sounds oh. like my version of hell. It it's sounds... like, oh, my oh, God. I killed a bunch of nuns. I guess I'm going to be watching the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure <laughs> as a thousand toddlers shout around <laughs> yes. me for all it, of eternity. It sounds like the opposite oh reason you take toddlers to a movie. You, yeah, I would really yeah. prefer you sit still for 90 minutes. And, and, and just, I, but, but the idea that they think they've invented kids interacting dude, with the TV, the inter- like Blue's Clues, fucking exists. The interview already exists. The interview the with this guy, thinking he no one had ever made an interactive film before, was so arrogant and naive at the same time. Like this deserved to fail. And if you, I love watching the trailer, by the way, from the marketing genius behind Teletubbies. <laughs> <laughs> not not like a like a real creator, but a guy who helped shepherd franchises overseas and whatnot. And if I told you that there were two Mexican characters in this film, oh. one named Lola Sombrero and one named Leo Sombrero, who is the obvious people you would cast for these obvious Mexican roles? Um, oh, no. 
Oh, God. I'm not going to say it. Christopher Lloyd oh. and Jamie Presley. Oh, okay. Obviously. I didn't oh. want to be controversial and say Luis Guzman's tearing up the internet this week. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, I, I don't understand why is this a movie film for theaters. It, that part, I don't understand. The Oogie Loves, they're not, they're not a pre-existing nope. entity. It's like they're acting like it's, you know... Hey, You've Arnold all the seen movie. the Oogie Loves. Your no kids seen... have Oogie Loves backpacks. I, no. I, I think it was. No, it, no. It, okay. they were invented for this movie. So it's already going to be hard to get people. I, There's a, an anthropomorphic. You don't know what it is. There's an anthropomorphic vacuum cleaner who is named J. Edgar Hoover. Ah. What? What four-year-old <laughs> likes former director of the FBI that have been dead for 50 years references? That's I, so fucking weird. And I yeah. I think I was scolded on this very show by, it might have been both of you, mm. just trying to watch the Barney movie. Like, this <laughs> is insipid. And I know it's not for me, and it's, not, it's for preschoolers, but it's just something I hate and find, like, irredeemable about Barney. And this is so much worse. The costumes mm. are fucking terrible. They look like the template Disney uses before they make a costume. They're, they're just <laughs> round-headed things that are different colors. It, it, like almost no definition at all other than their voices and, and, and being that they're like green, yellow, and purple. It, all right. We've already talked more about the yeah. Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure than anyone has in ever, even when it came out. But take a guess. How many theaters did this film open in? I know the answer. Oh, but... that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Is yeah. they opened huge. Yes. And so they made like 2,000 theaters i mean that's that's, that's marvel yeah. movie numbers mm -hmm. yeah yeah they open everywhere and so like when you do the math assuming well let's say they got three showings a day it's like each showing ends up being two people yeah. that's what my money they made yeah because what Ugh. avengers makes like i don't even remember like a hundred million in, in the first week this made in 2100 theaters Almost half a million dollars. Of it. <laughs> Almost half a million dollars. Holy shit. Oh, my God. There have been puppets with more successful Kickstarter campaigns than this fucking movie. <laughs> uh, and it, it wasn't for... Yeah. It just... It just wasn't, I, I don't want to like revel in somebody else's failure, but it just like, this wasn't for a good cause. I don't think it was a person who knew what the fuck he was talking about. He was just trying to make mm -hmm. a quick buck. It's kind of sold the studios like, uh, yeah, we can make a quick buck on the kids. What the fuck do they know? Um, we'll convince mm -hmm. their, and it, it just, there's something cynical about it. And it, but it, it is also why you don't see a lot of non Disney and uh, kids entertainment based on an original property. So I don't want to. Sh it is an original property. I'll give it that. Yeah, but it, it's an original property that should have been uh, a TV movie, maybe for yep. kids yeah. on on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, you should have started small, which is how Barney started. Yeah, just see if you develop an audience and then graduate to the big screen if anyone cares about your stuff. Yeah, it, it's and then at the end of the day, it's such a massive failure. Is it any good? No, 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 it, was no, no it is one... unwatchable. Even for small children, I think they would just wander <laughs> off. I, I think that the, their oh. designs are, are incredibly dull and their voices are grating. And I, I'm saying that from like kind of a kid's perspective. I don't like it. I do not like it all. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, oh, it might. Oh, we um, might. Anyway, moving on to the two bigger movies of the week. Dane DeHaan. Dane yeah. uh Jessica Chastain, Maya uh, Wasikowski, uh, Gary Oldman, Guy Pierce, Jason Clark, Tom Hardy, and Shia LaBeouf in Lawless. Me and my brothers are bootleggers. Money just started pouring in. 
Success made them famous. You're an outlaw, Jack. I think it's a matter of perspective. But when the corrupt go too far... Here's the new special deputy. There's the liquor and where's the money? Have you met my brother? Three brothers will rise. This is a war they're waging. We don't lay down for nobody. Lawless, based on the incredible true story. All right, you're just talking about bootlegging? Well, mm -hmm. let's get a bootlegging movie. Yeah, tell, tell uh, me more. <laughs> I don't know what this is. So I do love the fact that this is set in 1931, and Tom Hardy is desperate to save his bootlegging business and will do anything to save it. And that business is doomed! Two years! mission yeah. is over! And it's like, yeah. well, I could get this illegal stuff that might make me go blind, or I could get it for pretty much the same price at the supermarket. What to do? <laughs> to do. Yeah. Well, it's fun while it lasts. And they seem to be yeah. making. Yeah. It's every movie that's about moonshiners as the heroes. Like, yeah, they're never putting turpentine in there. Like, they're yeah. always quality, quality white lightning. The yep. good stuff. <laughs> you know, they always get along with uh, African-Americans in the 1930s. All of oh, our yeah. heroes do. You know. Yep. It, yep. 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 Um, yeah, that is <laughs> one thing that I don't view as having a solution in film. The vast, vast supermajority, like huge supermajority of whites in the South in the 1930s are ridiculously racist by 2022 standards. Mm -hmm. Ridiculously so. And if your character is just a normal degree of racism in the 1930s in the South, your audience will hate them. Mm -hmm. But if you make every white southern character in the 1930s not racist that's a completely disingenuous view of the time period so mm -hmm. i don't see how you can solve that problem honestly yeah and then if you just don't have it ever addressed by not having any black people in your movie well now you're also being disingenuous because you're yep. in the south and there yeah. black people happen to exist yeah yeah that's true but that's not really what this movie's about this movie's about how the law is actually corrupt and it's the bootleggers who are decent people pretty much yeah yeah, yeah it's pretty much it we got three brothers and their bootleggers and you know the law tries to get a cut and instead they're like no fuck you we're not gonna work for you uh we're we're, we're not gonna do that because that's how mobs start and we just like bootlegging and then there's women in their life and people get beat up and there's fighting and there's shoots outs and stuff. And I mean, it's fun. I, I like the previous <laughs> like, movie. I, I, I like the proposition previously. Yeah. So and, I was going to say it's written by Nick Cave. Yeah. The musician. I know, that's why it was so John offensive Hill. to have like a sub kid rock song in his, <laughs> in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it's directed by John Hillcote and they had previously made the proposition also with Guy Pierce, which is so good. Mm -hmm. This is fine. I mean, we, we've had other sort of movies about the 30s right around this time. Like, I think the last one we talked about was probably Public Enemies, okay. which I do not care for at all. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely take this over most other movies about Prohibition uh, that aren't The Untouchables or from yeah. farther back. But it's okay. I mean, there's there's some cliches. There's some points where you know where it's going to go and all that. But yeah, performances are pretty strong. Obviously, Tom Hardy is being a very tightly wound man who's very tightly wound and angry. Tom Hardy? I know, Shocking, right? He's know. kind of kind of intense. He's kind of an intense character. What? What? <laughs> yeah. He wants some, I mean, particularly old-fashioned entertainment. Yeah. Lawless. Pretty good. 
pretty good. I, the proposition's so much better, though. God damn, the proposition is really good. You're confusing <sighs> me because the next movie we have to talk about is the possession. <laughs> Natasha calls Kira Sedgwick, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It's number one at the box. It really is number one at the box office. Yep. The possession. Look at these carvings. There's something in there. It says Dybbuk. It's the Hebrew word for demon. I feel funny. The pose. It's it's just the Exorcist, except priests aren't gonna work this time. Right. No, no, because this is based <laughs> on a true story. Oh, that's, this that's is bullshit. a true story. This actually happened. And there's no. a scene in here where they take a CAT scan, which shows a physical demon inside of the woman. And show wow. me that CAT scan, true story. <laughs> this is a true story. I want to see the demon CAT scan, God damn it. Oh, I hope it's no, just like the... a little I hope it's like a little Pac-Man ghost with two eye holes. <laughs> No, the the true story part is this guy claimed that he had a Dybbuk box. So he had a box and it had a, a demon in it. And n- no, he didn't. And he's fully <laughs> said since then, no, I didn't. I, I was just messing around, putting it up on eBay. You know, it's it was just like a little portable wine container thing. But it's, you know, it's an old box. And he dressed it up and said, like, oh, it's haunted. It's got the, the demon is trapped in there. And it brings bad luck to whoever is near it. And. No, that, that's just made up. But this is the point that this starts out with a spooky box and uh, spooky bad things happen around spooky box. And, and then it turns out, oh, no, there was a demon in the box and it gets into the little kid and it's, it's spooky in a very Sam Raimi way because he produced it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I just I yeah. As a Jew, I'm happy we finally have a good possession <laughs> movie. Not that this is good, <laughs> but. I'm happy to see, oh, no, there's the supernatural. Well, waving crosses at it ain't going to do shit. Yes. This is this. It's a Hebrew demon. I I love the idea of of a ghost not recognizing Catholic authority. I I love movies that that show, I'm sorry, there's one correct religion, and it's this one. (laughs) It's the only one. Look, all other religions are false, and this one's correct. I'm sorry. Otherwise, Arnold Schwarzenegger would not be here. It's... (laughs) It's end of days reference. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. okay. No one wants to remember end of days. Yeah, the possession. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it's got some good spooky stuff in it, but it's not great. What the fuck? Like, Roger Abert gave this three and a half stars. What that a four? What the, okay. Mm-hmm. Confusing. Yeah. I mean, you could you could do a lot worse. There's so many freaking exorcism movies mm-hmm. in the last like 15 years that. I mean, I have I am definitely not an authority on them, but it seems like this is one of the better ones. But you know, please let me and, know in comments. And Dopey was the tallest of the seven dwarves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do we really only have one show to talk about in twenty twelve? All I could really find. Twenty twelve, one show to talk about. Uh <laughs> and and even this is a bit of a misleading claim. Teen Mom ends on MTV. So first there was <laughs> sixteen and pregnant, then it got the spin-off Teen Mom. Then we get Team Mom 2, then Team Mom 3, then Team Mom Young and Pregnant, then Teen Mum, UK only, wow. M-U-N, then Teen Mom Poland, then oh, Team Mom wow. New Jersey, okay? And they all have the exact same episode every time. 
The baby is never quiet. The girl is an idiot. The father is lazy or absent. And the parents are frustrated beyond belief. There. You have seen every episode of every one of those Teen Mom spinoffs. I, I spent more time than I should looking into it because I've never fucking seen an episode. I, I think I've seen a glimpse of it or maybe like a viral clip here and there. I I do not like this series on yeah. I mean, it seems, it intellectual seems practically evil. Basis. <laughs> yeah. Did it, to anyone who thinks some teenagers, not all teenagers, just some teenage girls did not get pregnant in order to appear on the show... My one word response is jackass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are documented cases of girls saying I got pregnant so I could be on that show. And I mean, what's the point of yeah. presenting a teenage mother unless it's a cautionary tale and then you're just profiting off of these non-adult this non-adult misery including mm-hmm. this other organism that has no ability to consent no matter how old it is. Uh, yep. Wow. But it, it follows one mom the whole sh- episode or one? No. Oh, it follows a bunch of teen moms who were on 16 and pregnant. And this is following them later on. Oh, this is a spinoff. I'm just yes. in Bristol. Palin was on a season of this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, she was a celebrity teen mom because this, this goes away for three years. So you have to imagine someone's not working at MTV anymore. I'm like, who the fuck yeah. canceled Teen Mom? <laughs> We've never been able to achieve those ratings. And I'm looking at it like second season finale watched by 5.6 million viewers. Yuck. So if you want to know, want, know why MTV pivoted, like this was more lucrative. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? It's a bummer because just MTV was, you know, before internet and social media, it was like our guide to being a young adult. And this is what it is 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, this one. I just I can't I can't even look at it because it's yeah. just the exploitation is so sad. And I remember back in the day, you know, MTV would have these little kind of documentaries about. Yeah, you know, the true life documentaries are great. Yeah, yeah, you know, different kinds of folks and find out like, oh, it turns out, wow, it is really hard to be a little person and go to college. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. hadn't thought of that. Help! That's I'm a no- I'm a junkie in the Ozarks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. I mean, obviously they're not glamorizing it, but yet, I mean, anyone who's on TV is now famous and that just goes in weird directions. Speaking of which, in honor of Teen Mom ending ever so briefly, I want to talk about Farrah Abraham, who is someone who was on 16 and Pregnant and becomes on Teen Mom. Tell me um, every because this is super vague for me. She uh, later figures out she can make quite a bit of money doing porn. So she yes. does some porn. Uh, she... Got probably a million dollars for doing a sex tape with James Dean. But she also like wrote a book about her struggles and at the same time came out with an album. It is, I, it's either the worst thing that happened, even so much people comparing it to Friday by, by Rebecca Black. That's a fucking banger compared to this stuff. This barely <laughs> listenable. Or it is the electronica answer to the shags and it is brilliant outsider art that is so personal and raw that its actual quality doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Like a Primus quality. Huh. Uh, play some and, and tell me what you All think. right. We got Finally Getting Up From Rock Bottom by Farrah Abraham. subtitled so so you can read the, so you know what the lyrics are this sounds like if we were recording a show and like is someone's phone on like i 
this isn't matching up at all. It sounds like there's two songs playing out of order. Whoa. Did she get like all the plastic surgery in the world in the last 10 years? Yes. Like all of it. Did, that yeah. is that is one of those you have a problem plastic yes. surgeries. Did yeah. she get like the uh, Walmart store brand of auto tune, by the way? Because that was pretty yeah. fucking low fidelity as well. <laughs> Yeah, it you is it this. is so cranked up that it no longer is human. <laughs> it, it, kind does, of fascinating. It, it does sound like a like a like a robot begging to live at certain points. <laughs> and and, and not, none of it is melodic or matches up to the music in any way. Who made no, this? It's very strange. Uh yeah. I I recommend it. It's, I think it's true modern art. <laughs> oh, very. <laughs> I say the same thing for pornography. In, uh, in many ways, it is. Because when she fucks the corpse of James Dean, it no. <laughs> Moving yeah. on, lastly, to Viggity Viggity video games. Video games of 2012. Guild Wars 2 is out, a huge release. I think it was working at PC Gamer, and this was on one of the last covers while I was working there. Don't know oh. anything about it. I hope you do, JR. Uh, I never played the game. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with it. Sorry. Super Hexagon is the Super Nintendo version of Hexagon, and it's out on <laughs> iOS. And this I did play a ton of. This is one of those best. I'm in the supermarket line. I only have like 15 seconds. I want to play a game for these 15 seconds. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. No, please, no please, thoughts. Please, I can't please, handle thoughts. God, 15 seconds is too much. Uh, save me, Super Hexagon. Ah, sweet <laughs> dopamine. Because all it is, is it, it's a hexagon, folks. Hence the title. It's a hexagon. Uh-huh. And you're trying to escape. And you have to move so the hexagon doesn't close in on you. It's oh. kind of cool. Oh, it's okay. kind of cool. It looks like reverse tempest. We're gonna tell you in a second who lived and who di- who died, and who was. We're gonna have a quiz about who was born. You can play along with us. Uh, hopefully, I don't continue to dominate. Yeah, Diana. And uh, ah, the doorbell rang and the dog went crazy right before I was gonna uh-huh, say that's anything. What it was. Uh, and, but yeah, you can check out more uh, on uh, Laser Time shows, uh, Video Game Apocalypse, our video game show where we go even further in depth with way bigger and better video game experts every week, including Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and Maddie Allen. And I think a special T.L. Foster appearance this week as they make me hear right. about Madden. And then we all, <laughs> it barks every time during the quiz. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. We got a bunch of uh, classic corner 80s in depth episodes coming your way. We have still more to come. Star Trek, Blade Runner. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and we got E.T., What a, Mad, Ma- uh, Mad Max 2. Shit, Star Trek 2, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Said those. The yeah. first, what was the first? Oh, Conan! Conan! Conan. Conan. Not Conan. That's a different one. <laughs> that's, that, that's on TBS. Anyway, Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenerNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Coming up next week two things two of the best things that ever happened in the 90s i feel like they're gonna happen at the same time one we get to meet the concept of the director's cut Mm -hmm. and a movie from 10 years before that was sort of meh suddenly turns into a classic also goof troop the best batman oh period all right right. actually yes that is a factual statement and if you disagree with it you're wrong i'm sorry <laughs> i love it uh i yeah very concurred patreon.com slash time give us five bucks jr what about you where can people find you at they can find me on the twitter jr r a l l s and okay who died during this period diana 30 2010 august 26th to september 1st who be dead well, in 1992, that's when we lost Mary Norton, the author of The Borrowers, who is 88. Oh, she, Not she, a young. 
Later. Never, <laughs> never lived to see the Ghibli version of their her work. No, no, no. That was but good. But she saw the horrible '80s animated cartoon. The, is it the Littles or no. the Bar? Just the, the Borrowers. Yeah. Isn't the Littles based on the Borrowers? I Have I been remember. wrong? This I whole could time? be. Dude, don't go and listen to me. There might be multiple versions. It's confusing. Everybody's struggling to look it up. Like it's the end of the show, and any of our listeners yep. care. If, I'm, I'm looking. No, the Littles is a different book. Yeah. Oh, my bad. I've been wrong for 40 years. Okay. But, how I mean, how are they changed. different? They're kind of... One's a rip yeah. off of the other. Probably. Um, who else did we lose? All right. Well, in 2002, we lost Lionel Hampton, Aww. who was a jazz legend and also the only famous person I can think of that played the vibraphone. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. What would I know his vibraphone work from? From his own stuff. He was like... His own I mean, stuff? He... he wasn't like in a movie He's with not collabing with anybody. He doesn't okay. need it. No, he had the Lionel Hampton Orchestra. I think he played with Benny Goodman first. Oh. And then, I mean, he had his his own orchestra, and he was very, very famous as percussionist. 94 years, long, long time. Not freaking bad. And then, uh, also musically, in 2012, we lost Hal David, who made it all the way to 91. He was the lyricist who worked mostly with Burt Baccarat, so raindrops keep falling on my head. Uh, Do you know the way to San Jose? Walk on by. I say a little prayer. Wow. Awesome freaking songs. Nice. Yeah. So he's dead Good. 10 Good years legacy. ago. Yeah. Great legacy. Yep. Yeah. Now it's time for the birthday quiz. Yay. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Turning 50, 5 0. She was born August 30th, 1972, 72. in San Diego, California. Whale's vagina. To an import export agent. Of Cuban descent. So it's not Art Vandalay, I know that. Later, her family moved to Tampa, Florida, and then Los Angeles. Okay? When I, is this woman? You know, is, you know, is, no, I just thought of some. I, mm, I almost wanted to say Rosie Perez, but I don't. That's nope. Not, is this woman no, Hulk Hogan? <laughs> no. Okay. This woman is not Hulk Hogan. Okay. So, Good for her. <laughs> while attending high school, she signed a modeling contract at the age of 16. Appearing in Calvin Klein I I and Levi's. It. You know it? I know it, I think. Yeah. Okay. Is she, she semi-retired was, now? I would guess so, but I don't know enough of about her modern stuff to say for sure. Mm. She was mm. on 17 Magazine's cover when she was age 17. So good lining up there. She was scheduled to perform in the film Mortal Kombat, but had to resign after breaking her hand while training for the role. So I'm pretty sure this is who I think it is. At the age of nine, she made a debut in a great New Line movie, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's New Line. I don't Mm. know who made that film. I'm pretty sure you got it, Chris. But at the age of 19, she was photographed and videotaped topless for an SMM leather fashion pictorial. I have seen that, and I always thought it was fake. But Uh, they were never released. And after she was a big movie star, uh, the person who took them uh, tried to blackmail her. Uh, oh, shoot. And she sued them and won. And mm. I saw them he, anyway. He served three years in prison for uh-huh. attempted grand theft, forgery, and perjury. Ooh. Not Vanessa Williams? No. no. But yeah, she I did dance so. with a man uh, in a brightly colored outfit. I, as soon as I tell you <laughs> the first movie we've talked about of hers, you're going to know I, who she is. I know. There's some, it's like tip of my tongue. I'm picturing first her now. Movie, there's something about Mary. Second movie, <laughs> Charles... Yeah. Charlie's Angels. It's Next Cameron movie, Diaz. There it is Cameron Diaz. Recognize hey. that I got that 
way too early. I, I, yeah. 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 Way too early. Then Shrek, then Bad Teacher, then The Holiday. Is yeah. she is she pretty much retired now? She said, yeah, something to that effect. Okay. She doesn't have any interest in... She may appear in something, but like, I don't want to be a movie star anymore. And, and it it's not like she doesn't look no. exactly the same. She likes barely aged a day, but I think she has other goals and... Yeah, I don't really want to do that anymore. I, how long can I do that anyway? She's got plenty of money. You know, that Shrek money. Oh, that's true. I mean, all that, money. all that money she had. Whatever. She was in a ton of, uh, like, killer stuff. Like, she was, like, I thought, I remember reading for a while, she was, like, one of the top female box office draws in the country. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And she'd always struck yeah, me as one does. of the most, on the spectrum of least shitty, famous person, un otherworldly pretty uh person she <laughs> she struck a really good balance there i don't hear a lot of awful shit about cameron diaz yep anyway. uh see i was thrown because you said she lived in san diego but i didn't hear long beach in there that oh, would have helped me sorry because okay. she used to buy her weed from snoop dog and he'd sell her sticks and stems I she's didn't a white know girl. that. Okay. <laughs> and she's a white girl. She doesn't know better. Giving <laughs> Diana details that would help her is cheating. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, would I was referring to, to the mask, the... by the way, the whole time. She danced with a man in a bright, brightly colored suit uh, in uh, her debut yeah. New Line Cinema's The Mask. Which we will talk about soon. But in we two will. years. Yeah. Yeah, yep. soon Any of us are still alive. But yeah. yeah, I'd love to see the alternate reality where she was in Mortal Kombat. I, Gosh. I, I'd never heard that story of the second, like... Oh, I know exactly who she was cast as. Who else would she? <laughs> was else? she Goro? Yeah. She's, she's... <laughs> obviously Johnny Cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we saw she could do action, you know, with the Charlie's Angels movie. That had a ton of action yeah. in it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's been our show. Thank you for listening. Patreon.com slash laser time. Tell a friend. Die, what are we closing out with? Uh, well, I was just looking at what's on the charts in 92 and thought, uh, oh, look, even better than the real thing by you two, because uh, it's still, it has been almost a year and we still got Octane Baby on the charts. So yes. shout out to going. Sonia who it's joined us on this one. program to talk you two. Yeah, this, this is a solid one. So let's close out with you two and we'll be back next week. Yeah.